Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, big news today. Welcome uh, to a very impromptu version of the I've Got Question podcast. Um, my name is William Hurst. As always, I'm writing solo at the moment. A uh, new format for me. So, first things first, those of you who are here, um, let me know how it's sounding. I think I might have to adjust the secondary camera because I'm going to keep looking away from it, but that's okay. Oh, boy. That's a cord. Uh, all right. Oh, doesn't look. Doesn't like us. Oh, Lord. Can't just be easy, folks. Can't just be easy. As you can tell, this is an impromptu sort of thing. Uh, was I was uh, waking up this morning expecting a very nice and quiet Saturday at home. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, so we're sounding good. Welcome to everybody in the chat. Um, again, impromptu, doing the best we can. People can hear me. Fantastic. Right. Uh, we are going to be joining or joined by various uh, number of guests today um, as they triple in. Um, but as we wait for that, as we wait for that, you can go ahead and put my microphone out of out of view, hopefully. Good God. It's rough over here. It's hard out here for a pimp, I tell you. Hard out here for a pimp. Um as we can tell, bans. Things have been banned. Uh in specific land tax has been banned. Uh this is from uh Mr. Berlin himself. Um and uh, effective immediately. However, ongoing leagues and the organizer's uh, discretion is where we're at at the moment. Um, those not familiar with Nantax, it is part of an engine that drives many of the powerful decks we've seen. Parfait, Nantax Control, uh, Sam Black's recent win at the uh, Midwest Championships. A very powerful engine. Um, Helps break some original rules of magic where uh, land drops are king, making your land drops works. Puts decks in a very interesting position. So, um, motivation for it, uh, you can read the article here. It is on premodernmagic.com. It is part of their blog. Um, it works with things like Mox Diamonds under Discover Paradise to let the deck uh, stay under its own land tax uh progress its board uh that's because um it's probably stretched a little bit i wonder if i can again not my usual format here and that's okay oh i don't i that look any better i can't really tell 
Um, might be the best I can do short notice as I was doing here, but um, that one. not that one. Oh, it went away. What the heck? What the heck? What the heck? As to why it's doing it, I don't know. But uh, we're just going to keep rolling with it. You can find the article. It's on premodernmagic.com. It's under their blog. Um, I'm just going to switch back to my little face here. Um, yeah. So was not expecting to hear this today. I don't think anyone really was. Um, a shock, to be sure. Uh, with PSS going on and other things. Um, going to be real interesting but i don't know i i do have mixed feelings about it i think it is a fine thing to have happen it does not bother me um i can see why people would be upset especially if they've invested in the deck and there's some of that some of that too. um and we're just going to try and get all the different perspectives on it so as people trickle in, feel free to ask questions in chat. I am here to talk. Um, the article in and of itself explaining the ban, whether you necessarily agree with the outcome or not, is a very well laid out argument for the decision. Um, it gives a history, it gives why, um, what was done, other considerations. So I do it was a very um well thought out answer to the question sorry we are trying to part of this community is um trying to come together uh and get things done here and we're going to rotate people in and out as best as we can so I'd love to hear everybody else's uh, people's thoughts as well on this. Sorry if I keep checking my phone, uh, trying to manage and put things together. I see Hammy Bone here. Um, Hammy Bone says sounds good. So we go from a cost barrier of two k to four hundred. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. Hey, it's a Lanny. Welcome to the stream, buddy. How you doing? All right, let. Uh, we're we're uh in the other room, so I'm gonna. You can hear me, so I need to get the audio on my end going here. So I apologies. My apologies for that. I wonder if I. Yeah, no, no, this is fine. It's um how my audio is set up on my computer. It's going to about five different things. What's physically in the other room? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, the E, the me, uh, I'm a multiple. It's a royal we. It's only me. It's only me. But, uh, dude, this is going to be a weird day. Uh, number one, can you guys hear Lanny when he talks? Say something for me, Lanny. You're talking right now. Yeah, you're talking right now. It looks like you're coming through. Um, 
Lanny is still muted. That's really stupid. OBS sometimes. The best of the best of the best. Uh, let's do that one. Uh, keep talking, Lanny. Uh, okay. All right, we're going to figure this out, but the people are getting to look at your beautiful face. That is a appropriate thing, correct? Yeah. So what I have right what I have right now is because of how I had music going on earlier. It's all routed different areas, but this should take care of it. All right, try you're talking, you're talking, you're talking. Why are you not showing? You're not showing, you're not showing. Oh, this is why. You're beautiful. <laughs> Lantax is. Lantax is dead. Yeah. Tom Mantelski is, of course, happy. Pablo Marcos is, of course, very unhappy. I have a set of black-bordered Italian legend slant tacks. I'm a little sad to not be vibing with them. Yeah. Um, Amy, can you... Okay, we can hear him. We got there. We can hear him. We can got him. All yeah. right. Um, yeah, so, again, Danny, thanks for being with us to this uh, impromptu-ass uh, podcast. That... Oh, dude, I, I recorded... Uh, four hours of podcasts earlier today um but i actually didn't talk about land tax at all in fact i barely talked about pre-modern um, oh my god but yeah yeah it was uh, i i woke up this morning like it's gonna be an easy saturday i was gonna get my uh two hour burn podcast with uh iron lungs and aaron Dix out today which uh, is now just essentially obsolete so yeah because gonna... you're like talking about all these ways to be parfait and then it yeah, just like doesn't matter yeah doesn't matter at all now, so we're just going to redo that one real quick. It's going to be a lost episode if anyone ever gets to hear it. But I mean, you right, should Land put it out there. Hopefully, just cut out the part where we talk about Parfait. I mean, they talk about Parfait. And then There's a good. lot of that. That's like an hour of it. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> uh, enough. So what, what was your first reaction, Lanny, when you, when you saw this come down from uh, Mr. Berlin today in a wonderfully written blog post, by the way? Uh, shock. Um, I was literally in the middle of recording with Mike, um, talking about the PSS, um, mm -hmm. talking about everyone's decks, going through them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Sam Black messages me because we queued Sam up for his interview, which was postponed from last week. And he was like, uh, so probably going to shift our topics, but land tax is banned. So I had to, t I broke the news to Mike, uh, <laughs> And I was just like, you know, the PSS, of course, blew up. We're just like, oh, my God, like, are we even playing the same format? Or do we reroll decks? Like, what the hell are we going to do about this? this? is all crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, honestly, um, like, I'm just here to game. And I really didn't want to see tax banned because of how interesting it was of a card, how mm. interesting it was to build decks uh, surrounding land tax, how interesting it was for me to build decks knowing that land tax was in the format um like it like it was a strong learning experience for me to both play and play against land tax where i was um basically like 
one of the it was one of the first decks I played against in pre-modern. I was playing. I, I told this on uh, All Things Considered, but my three opponents in the freeform room of Magic Online were Johans Kemmler, Pablo Marcos, and Mark Vote. And I played against them, you know, for like a couple weeks. All they were doing was playing Parfait, and um, and I was like, uh, okay, this deck is crazy, but how do I beat it? And I, I found ways to beat it, and I didn't think that mm -hmm. it was overpowered. And obviously, the list got better, but I I felt I still felt like one, it was like fun to play decks that could defeat land tax because it felt good, and it felt good to play land tax, felt good to tinker with the list and mm -hmm. look for different angles, and each new innovation. I saw as like a good thing. So Martin Berlin is like, oh, it's kind of like a bad thing that there's all these shells. You're gonna like add land tax, like land tax is the shell, and then you just add whatever deck to that. But I think that's like really like interesting. Like there's some people who say that you know, for instance, a format like Legacy is like too homogenous because of the ubiquity of like brainstorm or force of will, um, and you know that's one side of it and the other side of it is like well brainstorm force of will like opens up all these decks and you can do like unli there's unlimited potential to kind of like swap stuff out um but look at the end of the day like i'm not going to be the kind of guy who's just like oh it shouldn't be banished and never like i hate this this sorry like i'm not gonna like start like you know swiping all the shit off my desk and being like this ah! like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna be like okay like you know whatever uh i welcome a new era of pre-modern um you know at the end of the day i'm looking to be as creative as possible and i think land tax i like ideas were part of that creativity but they weren't all of that and look look you're still not gonna beat me okay you're still not gonna beat rich shea who just joined us you're still not <laughs> hey, gonna be rich. able to beat rich shea who is like one of the most impressive tactical players he showcased it two nights ago with his performance with blue white dreadnought like wow. You know, the dominance of players like Rich, Sam, Mark, like that's not going to go away. So, uh, you know, I get it. You guys didn't like playing against land tax. Uh, I, I guess it's fine, I guess. But, uh, you know, don't think that's going to change anything. All right. So, hi, Rich. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, hello, hello, Lanny. I am uh, wish we could meet under better circumstances. <laughs> So for those not familiar and those watching, though, if you're a fan of pre-modern, I don't know um, how you could not be. Rich is one of the integral players in the rise of land tax in shells, in parfait of various things. Um, it's a cabal of like three people. And Lanny, you mentioned him. It was, uh, it was Voight, it was Rich, and it was uh, Pablo. Pablo are kind of this cabal of land tax versions. And then could we probably add Sam Black into there? Because Well, Sam Black wasn't a cabal member because he wasn't um, because uh, exchanging ideas. Sure, sure, sure. Go ahead. Russell invented this deck 20 years ago. Oh, that fair, fair. Let it, let us clarify that. The idea of land tax, the land tax shell, the parfait deck was yes. Raphael Caron. Is yeah. it safe to say that while that is also true, and I don't know how integral Raphael was with you in your initial testing, Rich, I don't even know if we've ever talked about that. So correct me on some of the history, but for those who are most familiar with pre-modern, you are probably one of the faces of land tax and parfait. Is that probably accurate? I, I think I'm certainly one of the faces. I think what sure. I can take credit for is putting together the build that would go on to... Um, I guess get land tax banned. Um, you sparked the kindling. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I 
was playing blue-eyed control, and I was very frustrated to be losing to goblins, sly, elves, and I ended up essentially trying to figure out how to make blue-white beat those decks, and I decided that the changes that would be required eventually took me to taking a bunch of the pieces that Raphael had and working on taking that shell and improving it and really making it into a prison deck. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of where modern parfait came from. That um, makes sense. And uh, I really can't pause. We're live. Hi. Oh. You want to say hi, kid? Yo. That's my child. Hello, everybody. Podcasts. What up, child? <laughs> All right. Everybody says what up. Go. All right. Go do your thing. Hi, hi guys. Uh, woo, the the they don't they don't play magic. I've tried. It's never never stuck. Sad. But coming back to this, where we were is, it it was rich when it came and you perfected it to the point where it got to at least initially at that first lobster list. It it is a mega shift in pre modern. Like I don't think there's a way you say it. It it changed the way you had to play decks. Um. um well, let's okay. Let's it it uh, is that, and it isn't because one thing is okay. that. Lantax actually never commanded enough market share uh, for it to be the kind of thing that just like, just like, you know, was like, so it was a tier one deck, but it wasn't sure. a tier one deck on the order of tier one decks in other formats, where it's like, if you played a tournament, you're definitely going to match against Lantax. Right. So can, can I, for can I example, clarify that statement? Then? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. If you were, and I think I've said this before, and I should really start clarifying it this way. If you are going into a major event and trying to win the whole thing. It shaped the way you built and played decks. Not necessarily playing just a deck in a tournament, but if you're going in there with the express purpose to win, it did certainly shift a lot of the strategy. Is that a more fair statement? Yeah, I think that the presence of players like Rich Shea ensured that in the top cut, uh, cut the top cut of most tournaments, um, you know, would include a parfait player. Um, however, uh, you know, this is true of a deck like Dreadnought as well. Uh, mm -hmm. And sorry, so your point is that it's going to be a meta shift. I agree that it's going to be a meta shift. I think that the sum total of the meta shiftiness um, is, in effect, that's a lot smaller because in pre-modern, people like to play the decks that they like to play. Sure. Um, and they like to play the decks they like to play to win. So yeah. they don't start with, this deck is going to win, I'm going to play this deck um, uh, because it has a favorable matchup against Parfait. They start with, I want to play my Terravore deck, uh, and I talked about this with Sam Black a little, I want to play my Terravore deck because I love Terravore, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to add sideboard cards to defeat Parfait. So it's sure. going to change the texture of sideboard cards uh, Ray of Revelation stock is going slightly down, even though it's super good against survival of the fittest. Um, stuff like Trinkle Domain is almost like just it's just I don't need I I don't know. Are people gonna play Enchantress? Who knows? But like Trinkle Domain, stuff like that is gonna go down. Mm -hmm. Um so there'll be there'll be a shakeup, but it's not gonna be like a whoosh, like let's all play elves and goblins now. 
Sure, I, I can agree with that. And uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Uh, Francisco has joined us as well. What up, Francisco? Um, Rich, let's jump back to you because this was, uh, we were talking before you got here, this was a very sudden, like, happened. It just happened. Like, no warning. What were your thoughts initially when you heard it? Big drop, boom. I can't tell you my initial thoughts because I want to keep it family friendly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I love Rich. I just want, I didn't get a chance. I mean, I don't know if you've been listening to my content, but I just love you, man. You thanks, Lanny. You, (laughs) you're the best. (laughs) I, I appreciate it. And I have been really enjoying your podcast. It's been really, really good. Thank you. Right. I'm, I'm glad uh, that modernist people like you, Flores, William, just making good quality content for everyone. Yeah. Um, no, nobody judge us off this stream because I put this together in like five minutes and I'm just making it happen. So we can't judge no, it off the quality of this, though. You're getting the word out immediately, which is good. You are responding in real time. You're playing this as an interrupt. Yes, <laughs> Indeed. You cannot so, respond to this. I, I guess my, my initial thoughts are that I, I really don't like it. And okay. I didn't have those thoughts come together until I read Martin Berlin's reason for the banning, most of which was predicated on how good the engine is. I okay. think that if you wanted to ban land tax, you could make a fine argument that it makes tournament rounds drag on and it makes tournament organizers responsible for actually enforcing slow play or having rounds go on and Lanny's two-hour match against Goblin certainly took a while. <laughs> um, if I had some long matches myself in the previous LobsterCon Top 8, that's the best argument, I think, for banning land tax. But that is not where Martin started from, nor was it the bulk of his argument. The bulk of his argument seemed to be about power level, and I think that's not quite hitting the mark right. because. If you look at power level, Parfait is not the best performing deck, nor the second best performing deck. Dreadnought's been performing better. Goblins has been performing better. And that, I think, was true with the pan metagame data that someone posted ahead of LobsterCon. Likewise, at LobsterCon, despite my going 6-2, and two, despite Lanny going, what was it 7-2? Uh, 6-1-1. and 6-1-1. One. One and, and, then, and then quarterfinals, obviously. Or okay. semifinals, yep. Yeah. Despite that... Parfait itself did not hit 50%. So on paper, the deck was not doing well. And I'm, I don't think it's not doing well, but it's it hasn't been dominating the format. But I think what has happened is that a lot of people have been very vociferous about wanting it banned. And it really felt like banning land tax didn't come from a place of data. It didn't come from a place of the deck smothering other decks out it didn't come from a place of the deck doing too well in fact i think i won one monthly with it and i can't remember anyone else winning a monthly with it it came from people being loud online and making a lot of noise about it and really working hard to have a uh a lot of voices saying the card should be banned and my fear is that this can create a precedent <laughs> banning cards based on on 
people complaining about the cards. And I don't think that's good in the long term for the format. Um, and I will, so, I, I will yeah. comment that um, Rich and Sam Black just commented that uh, you and Rich don't live in the same world. And actually, you and Rich do live in the same world of uh, being really good land tax players uh, that, that win a lot with it. I think Rich has encountered a few more losses, um, either by uh, by sheer volume, uh, you know, or other other uh, other factors. It's um, better than I am. I'm not going to say that's I, on a possibility. Yeah, um, let's. Yeah, and it, it, that's not what this is about. I think the uh, I think the big thing is like I totally agree with you, Rich. I think that uh, Martin's uh, calculus was was pretty heavily motivated by what people were, were telling him. I think that um, I think that one the the crux of this entire argument is if when you go to ban a card, if the evaluation should be based on how powerful that card or that engine is um, versus how powerful it is in the context of the metagame. Because I also take issue with this concept of just like, well, tax rack is the most powerful card draw engine uh, in the format. And it's like, okay, well, something's going to be the most powerful card draw engine in the format. It doesn't matter what if it, it is. Like, I don't know if you're just trying to cut them down until, uh, you know, who knows? Shadow Mage Infiltrator becomes the yeah. most uh, oppressive card draw engine in the format. So I took issue with that because uh, I have always conceptualized Tax Rack as effectively like a two-card semi-resilient co uh, combo that... Um, that doesn't win you the game immediately once you ascend it. It just kind of like gives you like extremely high leverage on the game, and uh, just like uh, Hermit Druid or Survival of the Fittest or Phyrexian Dreadnought, um, all one or two card combo, uh, you know, kind of pieces. Like they they just pr they they push your advantage bar like way over um, mm -hmm. like way over towards your side, and. I felt that, and I, I generally agreed with the idea that this card was like this engine was powerful. Um, it just didn't strike me as an outlier in power level. It's yeah, like sure, I mean, it's the best card advantage engine, but it's just like, well, you know, you can still get comboed out, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, I'd like to. I'd like to also. Uh, this is not my usual format, so I do have a live chat is there going a here. Chat, by the way, because I, I don't even. Is uh, there a chat? For there, there is. There is. Uh, you have to tune into uh, uh, Will's stream. Yeah, so if uh, you just look up uh, Modern Magic Emporium, Rich, on Twitch, you'll find me. And I apologize, guys. Impromptu, I'll have the setup better for breaking news next time it happens. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, break, the pre-modern breaking news, uh, you know, gotta admit, we weren't prepared. No, we, <laughs> we probably do this know. once every three years. I'm on TV, or whatever this is. Yeah, there you are. But um, so let let's say this: there is. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. So let, actually, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna moderate this because I don't play land tax. I play stupid, shoot things at your head, and do twenty decks, and things like that, and don't untap. So I'm gonna more moderate this. So uh, Francisco had a point here, and then uh, Sam as well. So you guys should have a chat up next. Is Will froze. Will froze. Um, All right, good. I guess oh, he's back. He just froze, and we switched to a secondary Didn't camera switch. that's above his webcam. Right, Damn we it! Have a nice view of the ceiling fan. That's nice. Um, Sorry, guys. So, okay. 
So, yeah, what Will is about to say is effectively that the people who were playing against it didn't like it, and we do need to take into consideration uh, people's experience of the format. Uh, like, if the format's not fun to play, like, you know, for instance, like, if some gameplay pattern in the format is just, like, super rancid, doesn't matter if the deck wins a lot, I don't know, like, I can't think of a great comparison. We use Sensei's Divining Top a lot, so we could maybe say that but i think the win rate of the miracles deck was probably quite high yeah. um but notably for a while inverter and pioneer uh didn't get banned into like because it was like a sub 50 percent win rate deck until finally it did but that wasn't a rancid play experience so um it, it was a little tricky i don't know what a inverter is but um, <laughs> i think if so the the closest approximation i can find to the uh, the best faith argument is whether or not the deck is too good, people are finding that it makes the experience playing the format worse. Um, and I think that one of the difficulties there is that that is very subjective. You might enjoy one experience, someone else might um, not enjoy the experience. I mean, is getting run over by a dreadnought fun? I don't know. Is getting is putting yourself in a place where you can't even imagine winning the game because someone resolved a survival on turn two, and you're just going to get buried under a pile of card advantage and or an unstoppable combo. I think. Yeah. No, Rich. I mean, we're on the same page here, I, and, and, I, and I agree with you. I think that um, people want a little bit more credit placed on sort of this concept that you know. Uh, for better or worse, oh the God. complaining about Dreadnought did not reach the same levels of complaining about land tax. And I do think that uh, Martin Berlin, as a steward of our format, felt tremendous uh, felt tremendous pressure to um, to do something uh, because people were upset. And like you can look at it two ways. You can look at it the way that you see it, which uh, you know I think you know has some some point to it which is just that it's like maybe people were just kind of talking too loud instead of like getting in the lab and figuring out what to do about um you know defeating land tax decks um but a more charitable interpretation of just like this is what the people wanted and uh unfortunately you and i were minority voices you you me and pablo were the minority voices in that discussion um right so i think that uh I want to uh, say that what you're pointing out um, is true, which is that there are a lot of unfun things that can happen to you in pre-modern. Land tax was one of them. Now it no longer is. You can still get unfunned in pre-modern. And I, I'm personally of the belief that like the it's part and parcel to sort of the the texture of the format which is just that like unfun things happen to you but like the 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 nature of those unfun things is very skill testing and and requires like requires asks a lot of you um and the opposite of that is uh you having access to uh like you know I don't know planeswalkers like i guess the alternate of it is contemporary magic where where it's just like okay well contemporary magic is very very swingy and powerful but just like in a different way and that's like where you get the whole battle cruiser thing and um 
you know, to be honest, I, I obviously prefer, and I think that pre-modern players generally prefer not to have the battlecruiser situation. And I think mm -hmm. that most people would argue that land tax was like the biggest battlecruiser if the remaining battlecruisers are uh, 1212s and survivals. So Sam Black is making the case, Samuel H. Black, reach out here, making the case that pre-modern is a bad format. I'm not. I'm making the case that there are a lot of tremendously unpleasant things that might happen to you in pre-modern. That doesn't make it a bad format. Um, I think that we're playing a game. One person is going to win. One person is going to lose. And uh, having something bad happen to you, you know, at some point a dragon's going to eat you or a, a factory worker is going to eventually beat you to death. It's just part of the game. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with pre-modern. At some point, something bad is going to happen. Um, I yeah. think that the, 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 if I'm trying to steel man the argument against land tax, it's that the bad thing that land tax makes happen to you lasts temporarily a lot longer than the bad thing that survival does. Yeah, in absolutely. Survival just gets over with. It's bad, it's unpleasant, and then you've lost. Land tax, not so much. Um, I, I guess I think that there are arguments like that that Martin Berlin could have made. I mean, again, land tax taking a long time is the best argument. When Jared talked about land tax causing or being correlated with rounds going past time, that felt like the strongest argument to me. Now I could say that, well, we should be enforcing um, slow play more, but even without slow play, rounds are going to take uh, a while. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, you're, it's, I, I, I agree. I think the validity of those factors is definitely like kind of present. And, um, you know, there are some decks uh, we recently, you don't know this, Rich, but we recently had a standard format that had another deck that was strongly correlated with draws. And there was like a big fight amongst people who basically said, oh, you just have to play faster and draws are unintentional draws are a, a, a offense that's punishable by death. Um, I think that, uh, a more level-headed approach to that would have just been like, listen, this deck takes a lot of game actions, and if both players take an appropriate but not slow amount of time to think about their game actions, it can still result in a draw because, you know, for instance, it's like a mirror match of two grindy decks that can't really get leverage on on one another. Like, you know, uh, in, in pre-modern, we might find that with certain control mirrors. Um, uh, the... Uh, the the yeah the, the the end result is that like you can have no slow play but still results in a draw. Yes. Can I can I I see a couple interesting points here in chat and guys thank you for everything being said by the way um I think these discussions are fruitful um whether or not it changed anything I think that to be able to have a discussion rationally is awesome and I love the points being made uh one point uh this was um we'll start with Francisco's point is. Land tax was very hard to answer, essentially, at parity, at the, you know, mana to mana. Yeah, yeah. Because I, it came I'll, down I'll... so early, it's, it's really hard for 
it's almost impossible for some decks to even interact at that point. Yeah, and I, I imagine Fran has a reason because Fran's been invited to the chat, but um, he's uh, probably uh, indisposed until later. But um, I'll, I'll address that. I think that um, this does circle back to again your question of like whether or not like this card like produces an advantage that can be easily interacted with um, versus whether or not like this deck um, can be interacted with. So yes, there is very little that you can do if your opponent on the play goes Mox Diamond or Undiscovered Paradise land tax. Yes. Um, there's slightly more things that you can do uh, if they follow it up with Scroll Rack. And then uh, there's slightly, uh, you know, like, there's slightly more things that you can do across the game. I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to be like my opponent like just in a vacuum. My opponent, um, you know, uh, played a Mox uh, for a card disadvantage, or played an Undiscovered Paradise for uh, tempo disadvantage, and then played a land tax, and now they have three lands, and that's an insurmountable advantage. And I can't trade with that on parity because I think, to me, like if uh, you know, like if you just had a magic card that said you can't play like one mana, you can't play lands this turn, draw through like search your land deck for three lands, or like one mana, discard a card, search your library for three basics. Like I don't think people would describe that as a powerful card. I think that um you're right that the engine like I'm not trying to say that the engine isn't powerful, but I do think that the engine uh has always been uh disruptible. Like most uh like most like i uh, it what it did feel strange to me that that the uh, part of martin berlin's reasoning was that it was like very hard to interact with and there's no good ways to interact with it when um you know effectively like some common like if you have uh you, you know you can have it was awkward that you generally need two layers um depending on your deck's game plan but like uh certain stuff like uh null rod rail revelation uh, Trinkle Domain, um, uh, Meltdown was all like are all kind of like really really high leverage ways or Pernicious Deed of course uh, are like really really high leverage ways to like interact with what they're doing. Uh, yeah, Hole Breach is a good example, although not a good example for my argument because not very many decks can play Hole Breach or Deed. Um, but I think that like you know it was like I I'm to illustrate this I think the moment that um the Atog Lord Richie himself lost to James Smith who was packing like main deck goblin vandal granted he yeah. did have to bend his deck out of proportion or you look at Will Hurst's deck from the PSS which is doing double meltdown double crash yeah. or just the fact that when yeah. Flint built that deck he built it to be a deck that could operate on just one mountain or zero mountains and get chip mm -hmm. damage in and never let the land tax deck draw extra cards like these were all things that were interesting counterplay to me. Like I, I do understand that going in, if you're not the land tax player, you're gonna feel really bad when they establish when they establish tax rack. But I also thought that like you you had an option to like, you know, do a few things. Like one thing that somehow pre-modern players just like I honestly I'm gonna be this is my I try to be nice. I try to be like level headed and I try to like give everybody credit where it's due. But it felt to me that like pre-modern players, like not you if you don't do this, but like other people would just like let the land tax player trigger land tax when they didn't have to. And they would do this all the time. And they would never learn to not do this. And maybe people were like learning or like whatever, or maybe people were tired, but like it like 
on a fundamental level, like my issue was like I, I wanted there to be time for people to effectively try to defeat land tax before land tax got banned. Like I wanted wow. I wanted that win rate to reach, you know, sixty percent and that meta share to reach fifteen or twenty percent um before I, uh land tax caught the ban. Because I, so I don't even think that it's it's wrong that it it got banned if if time had shown that like you know people people simply wouldn't or couldn't adapt. I agree completely. Uh, Sam Black in the chat um, is saying that the engine itself is so powerful that it can be put into this deck, that deck, not only like a prison deck like I built it, but into a dreadnought deck and across other archetypes. That may well be the case. We weren't there yet. So Rich, yeah. Rich may, I, may I piggyback off that for one second, then I'm going to let you absolutely continue, is I, I've talked about this a lot of people, and I think Rich, we've talked about it, is when we've discussed new decks, inevitably yes. when you're playing the colors in which land tax is involved, white, the discussion with a lot of people, not just you, but plenty of people, good people I respect who are smarter than me, was like, well, if you're in white, here's land tax. Well, scroll rack is colorless, so yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you're just building that engine again and again. Is there any argument to it being so pervasively good that it oh. stifles all the other options that yeah. could be there? That's just it, William. It's not pervasive. It might become pervasive. The sure. problem is that a lot of the discussion is about how good it is in theory. And yet here we are, the deck's been well known for over a year, it hasn't mm -hmm. permeated everything. It's not everywhere. It's not taking down every event. I get that the engine is, in theory, incredibly powerful, but I, I'm i not seeing the results because the results aren't there. Yes, Sam Black has been uh, on an absolute tear with the deck, and all credit to Sam. But um, it's not like the deck is seeing play everywhere. It's not like people are putting land tax in everything and maybe everyone should be doing that maybe all decks should just be land tax decks and land tax is the center of the universe from which all other things should come but that's not how reality is manifesting yeah it's definitely like a, a prove it like i think um the the inflection point um you know if we identified it as an inflection point um with uh, Sam's performance at the at the champs, like we needed to, you know, we need enough runway after that point to basically be sure that it was an inflection point. Um, oh, oh boy, guys, we got more. <laughs> this, this podcast is getting awesome. Uh -oh. Hi, Fran, how you doing? Uh -oh. Um, <laughs> all right, so, so we have we have two two uh, land tax lovers, and now we got one hater in the room. So now yeah. things are gonna get spicier. I mean, I think <laughs> before um, before. Before we go on, though, we say that in jest. The only thing I ask for as this conversation gets bigger, and I'm sure it won't be an issue, is always let's just stay respectful, let, let other people talk, and that's, yeah. all, that's all I'll say about that. I have no thoughts that it won't be that way, but just to clarify where we're at. So yeah, I, 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 can, I can respect Rich, but I'm not going to respect Laddie. Don't, don't ask me to do this. Respectfully, <laughs> respectfully, everyone's just looking very handsome today and uh, has chosen, you know, has, has, cho has just made great choices in life. <laughs> All right. Um, so to finish you. off our current point, 
Lanny, from what you and Rich sound like you're saying, is could it get to the point where it was ubiquitous to have this in every deck that could run the engine? Sure, but we were not at that point yes. yet. And that is the point a, was being made? Yeah, and okay. Sam, Sam brought up the point that uh, there are cards on the pre-modern ban list um, that are banned on, uh, on power level, uh, not on testing, of course, because you know the format had to be introduced with you know some ban list in place. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know a lot less about pre-modern's history, but I have to imagine that tendrils started banned. Maybe this is Anyone? the first banning I've experienced since I started playing. Okay, um, so we'll need some pre-modern experts to chime in. But stuff like tendrils and mind's desire, and then probably Yagmoth's will, which is the one that uh, commonly gets pointed out. I know bargain uh, wasn't banned, and then it became banned. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, banning's huge for pre-modern. Like, we, we're, it's not a rotating yeah. format. So, um, right stuff on the ban list, you know, some stuff on the ban list is definitely there because of an idea that, like, you know, uh, it hasn't been proven yet, but it is too too powerful. But we had land tax. So while we have it, I did feel like it needed to be broken out of this world, um, right. you know, before yeah. banning and sure. So by, by training, by background, I'm a scientist. I I want to gather data. I want to look at what the data is telling me, not just what in theory something would be. I can't tell you how many hypotheses I've had over the years that have not been borne out by data. And so I guess if I sound like I'm slightly skeptical about arguments that are predicated on, well, it might be so good. Look how good it is. That's that's not as persuasive to me because I believe in looking at data. And the card was not a problem in tournaments in terms of its win rates, its win percentages. And it just so happens that the people who were often doing well with it were not people that you'd be surprised to see doing well, nor were the results of the deck in Toto a problem. I think that the logistics side of it is a much stronger argument for banning, but that doesn't seem like the primary argument people have been making, including Martin Berlin himself. Yeah, Sam, Sam and Mark definitely uh, created a lot of bad, uh, a lot of uh, against tax, um, you know, vibes, which, you know, we always had the same response, which is just like, you know, it's not a ban worthy card, like, just because there are players who are great who perform well with the card. Like, if, if, it, if it really had the power level that people said, if it really had like, you know, like people would argue about the difficulty level. They'd be like, oh, it's like difficult. Um, you know, I just got off the chat with Sam where he was just like, I don't full like, you know, Sam had to kind of list different factors why people weren't succeeding with his build of the deck. Um, and, you know, it, it it's hard to it's hard to see in the article, you know, the to 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 have it brought out as backup um, to just be like, well, look at these people's, you know, performed like, you know, it's performed well because, you know, to me, like the blue white dreadnought deck is super, super good. Yeah. It's good. It's good against parfait. Um, yeah, I think the deck is terrifying. Yeah. Um, and, and I think thanks, that, friend. I think that there are, there are, there are a lot of people can play the deck and play the deck. Well, you know, that aren't just like a few people, and they would represent, and they're they're beginning to represent a much more, um, much more volume based 
like data driven argument for like basically saying like this blue white dreadnought deck is too strong. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think dreadnought is probably going to have to get banned. Um, at least if you take all the arguments that have been made about land tax, dreadnought won the prior lobster con. It put, was it three people into the top eight of this past lobster con? It had a much better, much better. 60%. Win yep. 60%. And, you know, uh, Fran and I, of course, have plenty of ideas about mm -hmm. the lists. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, if you look and if you want to talk about land tax being hard to deal with, well, I mean, 12-12s, yeah, sure, there's, there's removal, but, uh, if you don't deal with it in two turns, you lose. And the other, the other real problem with the Dreadnought engine um, is that if... So Michelle Bush made this deck called Tricks many years ago, and I wrote my first piece of magic content 23 years ago on the dojo called On Tricks. One of the things that made Tricks so good was that it was an absolutely broken engine that picked Illusions Donate as the win condition, not necessarily because Illusions Donate was the best win condition. It was the most compact win condition that could win before the beatdown decks would get you. Similarly, if you take Pre-Modern and you want the most efficient low-to-the-ground engine, you probably end up with a Gush-based engine because Gush is an absurdly broken card that's banned in Legacy, banned in Vintage, and is just incredibly good. You add the best cantrips, the best free draw spells, the best free counters. You combine all of that. And now let's say that you want to run over Sly, run over goblins. Well, Dreadnought just sort of naturally falls in. It's not even like you are building a Dreadnought deck. You just, Dreadnought is the head of the dragon. And you, you, you you inevitably arrive at Dreadnought if you just take the best engine. All of that is to say, um, it's it's going to be very hard to argue with Dreadnought as an engine going forward. And I think you can make a much stronger argument to ban actual Dreadnought than you can land tax. So why don't we take this opportunity? Uh, Francisco has joined the chat of Blue White Dreadnought fame, his baby. Um, what I want to do this is, Francisco, you are on the opposite side of this fence. I would like to give you the floor for a little bit to explain your reasoning, and then also maybe tie into that Rich uh, and Lenny were both making the statements that um, it's also hard to fight Dreadnought early. It's just as powerful. Where would your disagreement with that as a dreadnought player if you have one yeah so um i'll begin by saying that uh if I, i'm going to talk about dreadnought first and then i can go back to talk about uh, just just to keep the conversation train going um but my th the thing about dreadnought i think uh, that atlantics does not have is what i was arguing earlier is you know about there's no card that answers Lantax in a mana neutral way Besides and all, uh, unless you want to play something like Erase or Wax Wayne, which are just not not playable cards, right? So you you can't really count those. Uh, flashback uh, 
ray of revelation, I guess, but like you can't do that on turn one anyway, right? So um, it is very slow, a very small investment for the land tax player to just like play attacks and then immediately be way far ahead, uh, while the dreadnought just needs something else, right? It happens multiple times where you have a hand that you have like stifle and two vision charms and no dreadnought, or you have two dreadnoughts and no vision charm and no and no and no uh, other enabler, right? So the fact that there's a little bit more setup with dreadnought is not to be understated. Obviously, what, what Rich said, I have no argument against, right? Like the, the all the cantrips are there. Obviously, the cantrips are not incredible in the format right like we have portent which is kind of like the outlier <laughs> which is actually yeah. good and then we have like opt and slider hand i guess like sure but but gush is obviously fantastic so no arguments there the thing is that and this is something that i experienced right like i started playing the format and it was you know, the first thing that I saw is like, oh, this Dreadnought deck looks pretty good. So I added the white cards because I thought the white cards were great. And then I started winning a lot and I just kept winning a lot. And then what I realized was that it got to a point where my opponents were, they knew what was up. So all of a sudden my opponents were main deck and abolishes. Like I remember like playing an event where I got destroyed because my opponent was main deck and abolishes. And if, if you're if you're playing against a deck that has source to plowshares, abolish, disenchant, and seal of cleansing, there's only so much work that your meddling mages can do, right? Particularly when backed up with basically any any amount of pressure. Um, and not only that, but the fact that all of those sensors are actually mana neutral with the dreadnought. Because if you're spending two mana to kill a dreadnought, obviously you have overload and like other answers that are actually just one mana, which is even worse, right? But even if you're asking, if we're talking about disenchant or naturalize, which are like the go-to answers, those are actually even with the dreadnought because it actually costs one mana to play the dreadnought and one more mana to actually enable the dreadnought. And not only that, but you also naturalize is actually cut advantage against dreadnought. Right. While I, we we sorry, Fran, I sorry to interrupt. Uh, mostly because I have to uh, leave right after. Okay. Right after I I put this out there, I. I think we're all, I don't, Rich and I are not going to argue about whether or not you can answer land tax mana neutral. Uh, our argument would be like, whether that's a problem, whether the advantage you gain is, um, you know, wins you the game. So uh, I'll, I'll make this comparison. So uh, you also cannot mana advantageously answer uh, Delver of Secrets, right? Mm -hmm. And the difference between those like those, those two well, things snuff you, out snuff yeah, out yeah right snuff out yeah, it actually became right. a thing in legacy because of, of course that, right gut shot right um so uh so basically uh you you made the statement the the land tax player didn't act, have to commit that much um by by playing the land tax and i don't agree that that's true because the commitment to playing land tax is like one the card does nothing on its own so i really like I really take tremendous issue with talking about land tax like as a as a singular powerful card, um, you know, in comparison uh, to Phyrexian Dreadnought, Survival of the Fittest, um, Oath of Druids even, and uh, Hermit Druid. Like, 
uh, those those all of these cards are an example uh, of what you would say. It's like a pretty low commitment cards or mana, um, but those are all game winning plays effectively. Whereas land tax itself is not a gaming game winning play. The scroll rack that follows is not a game winning play. It's it's just a different beast altogether. And like yes, you can't answer it efficiently, but like you can't answer an ornithopter efficiently, right? Like you know. You can't answer a lot of cards efficiently. It's just like, like the question is like its effect on the game. You know what happens uh, afterwards, and and that I do have to say like that was my least favorite sort of paragraph in the whole thing of just like basically like naming a bunch of cards that nobody plays for like a really good reason and being like oh well erase uh, you know the the green one wax wane demystify it's like oh like those cards like they're not good or like you know like they're, they're whatever and it's just like well like come on like we've the land tax players in this chat have faced down null rods, ray of revelations, and trinkle domains, and like, you know, efficiency event, like you know, the 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 leverage that those kinds of cards have against the land tax deck is very very high, like pernicious deed, obviously, and all those things. So, I don't really think that it's fair to take an efficiency argument. Um, and again, I do think that. Uh, it, it draws like a little focus that's like too micro focus, which is just that like um, this concept, which is just that like the land tax player put land tax in play and then they created more leverage on the game with a single card uh, than some other cards that are like legal and pre-modern and, you know, various amounts of difficulty to interact with. Right. Sure. Like the advantage bar produced by land tax is not as large, I think, as people make them out to be. So there's an interesting comment here in chat we'll get to. First off, let's welcome Tom Matalski to the chat, hey, part Tom. of the original uh, Trimp Gang. Um, I, I, sorry, I have to go. Um, uh, I love you. I love everyone in this chat. Um, you're all very handsome. Uh, you. and, you're not mad at me uh, for winning? Uh, no comment. What? <laughs> <laughs> that right. didn't happen. Uh, just, I, I won't already, play the brain. I erased it from my brain. There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, what, winning what? I just say, yeah. I don't know. Something. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Somebody messaged me updates and that. Yeah, whatever. I'll watch the VOD. Uh, you know, you guys are all geniuses. All very thin. All very handsome. Uh, take care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are welcoming Tom Matalski. Tom, it looks like you are muted. I'm not sure if you know that. Yeah, I was muting. Uh... My, my my daughter wanted to play, so but she's she's good. She's good. Absolutely. I mean, um, and if she ever wants to say hello, we 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 love to see the children. Mine have popped in at least once <laughs> or twice already. Hello. <laughs> see you later, right. kid. There, there's mine. One of them. Right. Hey, Will, Will, you keep going with what you're going to do, and I'll just jump in when uh, time is available. Absolutely. So, coolly furious. Um. Put an interesting comment on here. I, I'm going to read it because I think it's an interesting thought. Um, Dreadnought is a fine boogeyman to have. Plenty of action in all colors that can plan for it. Interacting with a creature is not, in my opinion, an axis that can be compared to the tax engine where all of your game actions to respond to it are disadvantageous. I That's an interesting comment. What do you... So, the Dreadnought deck presents a clock, maybe on turn two, maybe on turn four, backs it up with Daze, Foil, Vision Charm, and if you don't answer it in two turns, you lose. The Land Tax deck plays a Land Tax. 
If you don't answer it, your opponent gets three basics. These are very different things. And the Dreadnought deck is going to keep a lot of aggro decks from being viable. And so to me, the question I think isn't that is land tax really good? Of course it is. The thing that strikes me is that I don't think land tax is as good as some of the things that have not been banned. Dreadnought's at the top of the list, but Survival is also on the list of unbelievably good cards that warp the game for not a lot of mana. You can put Oath of Druids on that list, too. Mm-hmm. And in terms of cost, this is what I was sort of getting at. And Fran, this is addressing the point you made about how much did the Lantex player invest. The Dreadnought player is playing a shell of incredibly good cards and then plays 12 cards to get the Dreadnought engine. The Lantex player is stuck playing a lot of basics, Mox Diamond, which I do not think is a good card outside of Lantex. Um, you say his... that after you say that after Lanny left. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I said this before before Lanny posted his PSS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, maybe Weathered Wayfarer, maybe. Um, so <laughs> I feel like the Lantax player has actually completely warped his deck around Lantax and is playing a deck that itself is paying a really high price. Which, again, is like what an Oath player does. It's, Oath doesn't just cost two mana. It costs a lot of deck-building space. Yeah. Lantax did, too. And Dreadnought doesn't. This is why Dreadnought, you can just slot those 12 cards into a Hermit Druid deck. You can put them into a Gush-based deck. You can put them into a Greater Good deck. I mean, there are so many different ways that you can just take this modular component and drop it in. And the reason I'm bringing up Dreadnought is that I think Landax is banned not because of its results, but because of people saying that it should be banned. And I just don't think that is consistent with what we've actually seen manifest. Yeah. So about what you're saying about the whole package thing, right? Mm-hmm. I do agree with that. What I don't agree is with the fact that those cards are bad. As you're saying, like, Mox Diamond is not a great card. Like, in fact, I was talking to Will not long ago and saying that I think Mox Diamond is the most overrated card in, in, in Promoter right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, however, however, when you put that in the context of there's actually no drawback, which is what Lantax enables, now we're talking about an entirely different card, right? Like the same is true for a card like Scroll Rack. Scroll Rack, if you're if you're just gonna be Draco blasting and just like putting your Draco on top of your deck because you drew it, dude, like go nuts. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's awesome. But everything is contextual. So you your point was the the only advantage that you get after you after you after you drew those three basics is that, right? And I will say that that's actually not true because because of the fact that you actually build your entire deck around the card. I, I was actually watching coverage of the Misty event that happened uh, when I was there, but I actually hadn't had the time to to watch the the vods. So I was going over that, and like I was watching Sam, you know, just like fetch for uh, the three basics, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, like plays a score rack, and all of a sudden those are not three basics anymore. Right? I, All of a sudden, I agree, are... but now it's not just Lantax. So now, exactly, now exactly. we're getting more into but, um, Dreadnought, 
Dreadnought plus Stifle is more akin to land tax. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. Let's so I, th I think that is more of the accurate comparison. Like sure. you need to compare like land tax plus uh, the, the, the mocks plus, uh, you know, uh, score rack or like, I guess, land track score rack. And then like mocks is kind of like in between, right? It, it, it's, it's obviously fantastic along alongside those, uh, but like it's not necessarily a part of the picture uh, per se. Um, and you compare those with like Stifle plus plus Dreadnought, right? So I, I think it's more of like a 2v2 versus a 1v1 sort of comparison. Because once you once you have both cards going on by themselves, sure, land tax doesn't do that much by itself uh, in terms of just finding the lands. Um, the thing is like it does something by itself. And the fact that it's not only scroll rack, but it's also in this case we're talking about, um, you know, mocks or uh, you actually have other way uh, other ways of turning those cards like ivory tower like all of those are mm -hmm. cards that give you an advantage they they actually turn those quote-unquote nothing cards which are the, the basic lands that don't really do anything but just because they are just raw cardboard in your hand it turns that raw cardboard in your hand into actual something. And even a card like Avery Tower, when paired with Lantax, it's just game right. over against a deck like Sly, right? Like the power well, cannot be understated it, in that sense. I mean, again, I lost the Sly at Lobster Con, and I think like these are all very good arguments that Lantax and Parfait are great decks, great engines, but the numbers just aren't there. And this is what I keep coming back to. There are plenty of really good arguments that Parfait is a really good deck, and yet it's it's just not putting up large results in these huge events. I know Mark has taken down European events. I know Sam Black has done really well in some of the Misty events. Absolutely no question. But it just doesn't seem like the deck overall in Toto is putting up the numbers. Certainly not the numbers that Dreadnought is. Yeah, I mean that, that's the other thing that I was going to point out that I, I was going to bring is sure. hey Fran, one, one second, one second. Yeah, uh, we haven't had that time to introduce himself, so I want I want to jump in and get a little Tom perspective. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. I love so, me some Tom. I, I love me some Tom too. Hi Tom, <laughs> how are you? Um, good to be so, here. Wait, wait, Tom. wait, Will, real quick. I just want to say, like, why are we here, right? Because we love this format. Yes, we do and, all love this I, format. Honestly, seriously, like we take the time to do this. Like it just means a lot to me, and I know you three also, but just the community. Like it's just great to talk about it because we actually love pre-modern, right? Yeah. Um, but go ahead, Will. Sorry, I was working on logistics anyway of getting someone else in the group. Yeah, no worries. And as we're doing this podcast, uh, we're we're going to try and get a bunch of people in here. We were talking a bunch of different times. There was just. So many people in moving pieces trying to get in. This was probably the best format to do it. So if you were going to be included, uh, I know BK we're trying to get on. Hopefully he can get on. Other people is... Uh, nobody was expecting this today. Like, this was just a... Blah, right, right here. Um, so there's really no good way to do this. So I'm sorry if we can't get everyone on, but we're going to try. But one thing I want to clarify, I can't remember who I heard this from before time we jump into... Your thoughts, because you are definitely an advocate of this ban. Um, is my understanding is Mr. Berlin has a group of people, and I think it's mostly in the European crew, in which if he thinks there's an issue, he gets together with, he talks to, he tests with, 
and puts things through his paces. So I don't, if that is true, I don't think we can rely solely on it was the crowd saying it that did it. Um, we have to put some good faith in if Martin is testing with people, he put in work as well. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. This is my understanding of what goes on. But going forward, um, and we can speak to crowds saying this should be banned. Tom, you have been quite vocal about this ban. Um, can you give us your reasoning for your thoughts behind it? Because Rich and Lanny make good points in counter to what Martin, Martin Berlin says is, you know, there, there's been great re success, but it isn't winning every tournament. Oh, good lord, Flint has entered the chat. Hello, Flint. Well, hey, Flint, look who's by here. The, by the way, it's disrespectful to Rich. You need to put that trophy in the background away. I don't want bad feelings happening. It's, it's a reminder of a lovely finals. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, Flint, uh, we'll get to you in just a sec. But, um, Tom, why don't you kind of give us your reasoning for the ban and why you were on that path? And your reaction also to the sudden news of, here's this today on a random Saturday and whatnot. Absolutely. Flint, I know you don't have long. Would Would you rather go first or you want to give me a few minutes? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'd love okay. to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so absolutely shocked. Um, yeah, I'm so, you know, we all did not see that coming. Um, so where I'll start first is I, I thought so when Martin made the uh, the comments that some he you know gaining some he wanted to see the comments from the community and gather some information while he was also going to look at data, um, I had a feeling at that point something's going to happen. Not immediately, but he was going to make some sort of a change. I didn't think it was going to be an unban. I had a feeling it was going to be land tax. Again, just my own feeling. Um, I talked to Martin briefly, but I am not involved in any way in making decisions with him or anything like that. Um, but since joining Premodern, I've, I've just got to know him a little bit. We've talked from time to time, and it seems like he always makes decisions um, with data and stuff like that. Even though when I joined in 2020, I don't think anything has changed. Bargain was banned in 2019, I think. So um, anyway, um, I don't think he was going off of like the crowd or the noise in the background necessarily, mainly because, well, one, it's like the ad populum fallacy, right? So just because the, the majority of the group thinks something is right doesn't mean it's right. So that's just fallacious. And he didn't really comment on that part either. It's just like, obviously he heard and he wanted that insight, um, but that's definitely not the driving force. Um, Will, you're right, he's got, I think there's a group uh, he has that We'll test a little bit and um, make these decisions together. But ultimately, Martin makes the final decision. And that's from what I've heard. Um, and I, I think a lot of it had to do with the first bullet point he put in just some of the reasoning was he compared it to Sensei's uh, dividing top. I do see some, some similarities there um, of the fact with time in the round. Um, not necessarily gameplay, which is definitely part of the problem, but I think it's the time in the round and um, I think that's why it happened sooner rather than later post lobster con. So he definitely got some of the info of like what was going on there. And, um, I was basically nauseous and ill. So I didn't know what was going on when I was there, <laughs> but 
um, it definitely looks like that's what he was kind of looking for. It's like the, the the time round situation now that like um, you know in real life events are happening. Because think about it, we're only how far out from actually these paper events taking off. It's not long, so now we're 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 getting a lot of paper um, data from these tournaments and what that looks like with timed rounds. And I got to say that to me could have been probably was the driving force here. Um, and before uh, champs coming up, I think in October, right? Um, it's like the weight of will, will it be better with or without land tax in the next lobster con? It's I, my opinion. Again, you can't. Oh, sorry, were we going to say something? Uh, you finish your thought, then I'll say okay. something, then we'll jump to Flint. Okay. Um, yeah. So wrapping up real quick, I think. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, we didn't. You know, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Sorry. I'm so um, sorry, Tom. <laughs> you, were, you were talking. You were talking about how it was going to be better next year for LobsterCon. If yeah, is LobsterCon going to be better? Better, better environment. Uh, and even which, Euro which, champs now at this point. Yes, yeah. Euro champs. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's to the point where. Um, he wants to delay that from happening. Uh, sure. It can happen with other decks, don't get me wrong, right? Goblins can play against elves, and the game can go long, depending on players' play speed, uh, situations, sideboarding. got to take into account sideboarding. Sometimes people take longer than expected. Uh, we've all been there or seen it happen. Mm -hmm. um, those things add, are added in, but I think, obviously, the, the, the time with land tax, right? Trigger the land tax scroll rack sometimes it's seven plus cards right you, you got to make uh you know uh, mm -hmm. uh you gotta make up your mind of what's what you're going to do in the moment every moment's different some people like you know rich play a lot faster um with it um luckily in paper i've never had to deal with a slow parfait player only on magic online but i gotta say on magic online it's brutal too just sitting there waiting um i had a lot of screenshots i think i showed france some of them just you know, I'm I still have 18 minutes left on my clock, and they're at like six minutes. And on average, it's between I think I I did the math. On average, it was about 11 and a half minute difference, and we're on game one, and nothing is getting done. Um, it's just I'm basically locked out. Um, and I was only doing it. I would have typically conceived. I was just doing it for like I don't know, taking the screenshots and setting them around <laughs> for the for science. For, for the science, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but but also I, I thought about things too. Again, I had no say in this decision, but I thought about people like Rich, who's a really good friend. Like, how would it feel to have land tax banned? And it's the same for me. My favorite card in, in, in all time is Gush. I'd be really upset if Gush was banned too. Um, like, I, I want to put myself in that shoe of like, okay, you know, I'd be very upset if Gush was banned. Um, but I also just understand like the reality of you know, unfortunate situations of the of like the things I just mentioned. So um, a little long-winded. I definitely want to hear what Flint's to say, and then we, maybe we can just keep going around because yeah. I didn't get to catch, uh, catch much of what Rich had to say. Oh, time. yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll keep getting this movement. Guys, thank you to everybody in the chat. Caustic, what's up? Uh, Phil is in the chat. Um, it's like um, I saw Paul Masters in the chat. Um, Gabe, I think, is in the chat. Uh, so... I think the strongest argument for a banning is, Rich, something you alluded to, Tom, you've alluded to, others have alluded to, is not necessarily that you, that you can't beat land tax. You, you can. 
You can if you put the time into it. It is, if you don't know what you're doing, a very time-consuming deck. We ran into this at Misty. There were a couple, and I love everyone who plays, but there are some people who were playing Parfait much too methodically, too long. There were games going to time every round, and I think in most cases, I have to check with BK, it was the Parfait deck. Um, yeah. It's, and it's a... I hate using the word a feel-bad moment in a format, but there is a community like feel-bad of like trying to... If you're going to lose... At least when you're losing to Dreadnought, you're not doing it... You're doing it in like 15 minutes and not an hour. In, in some ways. I, so I really think the best argument for the banning was the way it was dragging rounds on. Um, and I wish the article... And I don't know Mr. Burn person. I've never met him. I've never talked to him. Um, I think that's the better argument for the ban, in my opinion. Um, I agree. If I can... I had my yeah. thoughts there. Tom, that was very well articulated. And I think that if you want to make an argument for banning land tax, that's the argument. It takes a long time. Players go to time. It, Lobster Con, it made a bunch of rounds go way past when they were due. And I think that's a very reasonable argument. I wish that Martin Brillen's article had been that instead of what it was, where it talked about the abstract theoretical power level of the card. And I really view this as important, not just that it was banned, but why it was banned. Mm -hmm. Banning a card based on logistics, like if Shaharazad were banned in old school, totally get it. And in fact, Jared restricts it in the Neos League, even though it's not actually restricted in Atlantic. That I totally get. Logistics, I get it. But that's not what the crux of the article was. That came as an afterthought. And instead, it was about power level. And I think that, yes, it's powerful, but you could make that same power level argument about Goblin Lackey, about Dreadnought. And instead, I just think that the problem with framing the framing this around the power level of the card is that I, I think that's really missing the mark. I think that there are more powerful cards that have better results than Lackey and Dreadnought. Very hard to answer one ones that if you don't answer, or one mana cards if you don't answer, you just lose. And if if the goal is to make the logistics better, yeah, okay, I get it. Likewise, Standstill could be on a watch list. Stasis could be on a watch list. And I just think that, Tom, you made a much better argument than, than Martin did. Uh, Flynn. So, I'll, I'll, can I add one thing real quick, Will? One thing, um, go ahead. Very, sorry, real quick. No, you're uh, fine. No, Rich. No, Rich, I, I appreciate the those words, like, just because it means a lot. Like I said earlier, like, we, we are doing this right now because we love pre-modern, and yeah. it means a lot to me, right? It's, like, you know, my favorite hobby, like, um, and we're, like, you know, playing a format with no prize support. Like, we're just doing it because mm -hmm. we love it. Uh, yeah. So I want to give Martin, like, so much credit because I can only imagine, like, he didn't want to – he probably didn't want to have to click submit today, you know? Uh, Can't imagine he would. He, yeah, you know, he probably did. He just didn't w probably want to have to do that. Um, but like the things we've all been talking about so far, it's just, you know, he just probably had to, you know, um, based on, and again, mainly that time piece. I think that's what it is. Because I don't think Lantax is the most powerful card. Like some people say it's Ancestral Recall, like sort of, but not really. And um, I think the most powerful card in the format is either like Gush or Survival. 
like yes. raw power, but um, it's it's probably that timepiece, Rich. And uh, and and, and I, I wish that's the argument that Martin had made. The problem with the way that he framed it is, it's not actually the land. Like, yeah, of course, I'm very disheartened and frustrated that land tax in particular is banned. I love the deck, my favorite deck in the format. And now it's gone. And that's extremely frustrating. But the real issue is the precedent that this sets. And one of the, the problems is you, you don't want to hit a point where you lose the incentive to work on decks. And right now, it kind of feels like there's this looming specter that if you take a concept and you work on it and you make it really good, it might just get banned whether or not it's performing even at a 50% rate. And that's a real danger to the format. Now, like, for example, Stasis. I love Stasis. I took Stasis to the top 16 of a Grand Prix. But if we are in a world where a deck that performance is middling at best compared to some of the others in the format, if you make that deck really good, but it happens to use Stasis or Standstill, that there's this specter hanging over it that it might get banned, then you you don't want to work on those decks. And in fact, I think that in the article, one of the things Martin Berlin said is that, well, Stasis isn't doing as well, so we're not going to apply it to that. Well, that's fine, but but what if Stasis did start doing really well? What if Stasis got to the level where it was just putting up 50% at LobsterCon and maybe one person makes top eight with it one year and then one person makes top eight with it the next year? Because that's where Parthay was. And if you get Stasis to that level, People are going to be unhappy playing against Stasis. Yeah, it's going to make rounds go to time because it's Stasis, which means is what Martin's saying that you shouldn't put time into tuning Stasis because if you do, he's just going to ban it. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, I think one thing. Go, no friend. Yeah, I just want to say like one thing that I, I do. I, I just want to make it clear. I didn't think the land text needed to be banned. Okay. I think that. It is one of those things where you have to accept the fact that we are just playing a casual community-driven format. I feel like the second that you just say, okay, I'm actually playing a casual format, you kind of have to get out of... And, and it's hard for me to do. Like I, I, I actually needed to tell this to myself in order to really understand what was going on. But I am very much uh, uh, what people call a spike. I, I play the format to win. And I, you know, brew decks and I tune them and everything to win. Like, that's what I care about. That's my goal. Um, but that's not what a lot of people do. A lot of people, like, brew to, like, have fun and stuff like that. And one thing that you need to keep in mind when you're playing in this kind of format is that if people hate playing against your deck because your deck takes a lot of time to win or because your your deck is just, it doesn't kill me and it just like keeps dragging the game over and over as you're looping gay as blessings or like whatever you want to do. Um, those are not fun play patterns for the average player of the form. I feel like that is one thing that if you just accept that and you look at it through those lenses, like imagine how a, per a person just like, absolutely new to premodern you know just grab them and you like give them a deck and then you per you get them paired against parfait uh, there, there's certainly a <laughs> you know what i'm saying like they're, they're they're just not gonna have a good time like maybe sure maybe you have like a super spiky person 
like me, which is when I got paired against Parfait, I was like, all right, this is freaking cool. How do I beat this? Like, what are the angles that I can that I can find to try to like to beat this? Like, that's the way that I think, because I am, as I said, like I am a person that's trying to win, and I, I look at what the rules of engagement are, and the rules of, of engagement are you have to you know, land tax is legal, right? So if you're not looking at it through those lenses, if you're looking at, at it through those lenses of the people that want to actually do well with like. 10 land stumpy or whatever. Like that is what I would think of the, uh, what, what, is, is it Timmy? Like what, what is the, the casual oh, player? Uh, I think so. I, yeah. I, whatever. whatever. Timmy or uh, but, 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 you, but you see the point that I'm trying this to make. Timmy. Right? If you, the, the problem is if that's the precedent, then just make that the precedent because it's not like that player is going to have a good time against stasis. That sure, right. might not have a oh. wonderful time against standstill. And let is me, that let me, really to enjoy getting wrecked by a dreadnought? Let me well, jump let me in jump here in real here. quick. Um, first off, let us welcome Flint. Hi, Flint. Hey, Flint. Hi, Flint. Hi, Flint. Hi, Flint. Hi everybody. <laughs> um, Flint, I believe you're probably of the group here have played pre-modern the longest, correct? Yeah, I would say so. So you may have have some more perspective on things that have been banned, unbanned. An interesting point that I want you to get to at some point is there was a comment in chat it, from uh, Jeff Eklund who says, I feel like it was easy to ban because it started banned. I want you to touch on that point if you can, but Flint, why don't you tell us, because everybody's kind of said it, and then Fran, I don't think you got a chance to say it afterwards, is what were your initial thoughts on this bombshell? Did you see it coming? Because it, it, hence this podcast, it all took us by surprise. And kind of take us your thoughts um, on that, that question I just asked, and just in general, your just general feelings on it, because I think your perspective from where you've been in the history of pre-modern and your successes is important. Um, that's that's totally fair. Let me just say that I don't envy Martin Berlin. Um, hmm. he's seen his baby grow into a behemoth, so to speak. You know, from a casual form, format perspective. And so, um, obviously we're not all going to agree on this and that's okay. Um, and rich to your credit, you know, you are one of the few, you know, paragons of parfait. And, um, I think you're being very level headed about this and I respect that. Um, if hermit drew, it got banned. I mean, I might be, you know, destroying the room all uh, citizen Kane style, you know, um, but uh, I will just start off and say, I don't think it need to be, needed to be banned. Um, and if I wanted to slow Parfait, I think Scroll Rack would have been the card that I would have banned. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that as a brewer, first and foremost, y'all know me. I love, uh, <laughs> I love combo decks. I love creative decks. Um, I have a list of other land tax decks that I kind of wanted to put together. None of them have ever worked out, uh, like most of what I want to build, but, um, land tax just is a card that does have a high ceiling to it. And, um, I, I would push back a little bit on you, Rich. And I would say that drawing three, three cards in a turn is a pretty powerful effect. Um, you know, even if, um, it may not be as powerful as a, a turn to 12, 12 trampler. Right. Um, but if, if if someone goes turn one mock slime and land tax turn two scroll rack, the odds of winning that game go 
pretty damn high. Um, I, and I agree completely. Right. I, I'm only comparing yeah. it to other cards that are not banned and that are perfectly fine to continue. I'm absolutely. I'm, so hold on, I, let me finish. Let me yeah. finish. Um, and and that's partially pushing back on Tom as well, right? It's not ancestor recall, but it is a very very powerful effect. Um, and I, I do think that the the land tax shell has um, just given all the other cards in the in the deck does have a strong ability to recover. Whereas some of the more powerful cards, like a Dreadnought, may not be able to recover as quickly, right? Think about even in the Xerox shell, I've got to dig for a while, I've got to sculpt my hand, right? It's not like the game gets locked out in, in the next couple of turns or whatever. So I, having you know, played uh, since, I guess, 20, I think I played in 2019 or like early 2019 is when I started playing. Maybe it was like 2018, I forget now. But I remember... Um, when I came into the format, I was really excited because land tax had been unbanned and I have a, a play set of legends land taxes and I was very <laughs> excited to use those and um, had played with, you know, with it a while and, and tried out a bunch of decks. And then I, I played pink prison and I was like, Oh my God, this is a miserable deck to play. It's powerful and it does powerful things to, you know, in terms of the game state and prison decks just really aren't my thing. So that's another big caveat. Like, you know, Fran, you know that I didn't want to comment on the, the parfait matchup or whatever. So I was like, here, get over here, sit down, do the commentary at Misty. Like I'm tired and this is not my matchup to comment on. This is going to be miserable for the viewers. Just get me out of here. And you did a great job. Um, but I do enjoy watching the matches when I'm not tired. Right. And when I actually think about the gameplay and the decisions, I think they make, make it makes for excellent magic. Um, and on the flip side of that, I also understand that it's miserable for some players as well. Uh, and so I, I think that there are a number of criteria that, you know, one might use to decide whether or not to ban a card or to keep the card in the format. And there is the casual format argument. There is the fun perspective. There is the zero sum, sum game fun perspective as well. There is the, you know, interesting decisions, you know, that, that, that go into certain game states. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I do think that if, you know, again, Totally respect Martin Berlin, love what he's doing, and I'm sure the format will be fine. Um, but I ultimately think that what we may see is the Dreadnought decks get stronger again, um, similar to Rich to, I think, some of your comments in Facebook. There was a year where people were jamming Dreadnought and Stifle into every deck, myself mm -hmm. included, right? Uh, and it's, it's just a very powerful uh, combo. And so <laughs> I, I do think we'll see a little bit of that. I think we'll see Elves start to make a comeback again. Um, you know, there are probably going to be fewer shard phoenixes running around than there were, you know, yesterday. Um, and ultimately I think what probably bums me out the most is just the, how this might curb innovation a little bit yeah. in the format, right? Because land tax, as I said, does have a high ceiling and there's so many cool things you can do with it, right? Think about the Draco blast deck, you know, that was, uh, that recently came out and I, I saw that and I was like, that's so cool. Um, that someone's, you know, using land tax to, to enable that, you know, to get those extra cards um, to then be discarded to search up the combo. Um, and I also think that, um, I think Sam made the argument in his article that maybe we might try unbanning a card. You know, there are probably some cards that are safe to unban like mystical tutor, right? Um, maybe even mind's desire. I, maybe I'm, I'm being a little crazy here, but I'd love to see, I'll you go know, for a card. desire all day, please. <laughs> sure. That's I mean, I'd, I'd love to see some cards get unbanned just to increase some innovation. And if they take over, you know, and we have like a, a tinker jar scenario, then, you know, we could, you know, there's always emergency bans, right? But the format, this format does move a little more slowly than the pro tour. So uh, I, I think that ultimately innovation suffers here. 
if I were going to Tabana card to nerf parfait, it would be scroll rack, not land tax. Um, but I think we're going to be fine as a format. And um, the, when I take a step back and I look at the comments in chat, I look at the comments from Tom, from Rich, I read the comments on Facebook and giggle at some of them. Um, I ultimately think that the reason why Martin decided to, to ban tax is the gestalt, right? It's not anyone, one person's point, you know, whether it's in an article or in a chat, it's if you just take a step back and you pile it all together, like if you had to create a list of reasons to keep tax or ban tax, I'm willing to bet the reasons to ban tax would far outweigh the reasons to keep. And I think when Martin stepped back and he just looked at all of these reasons, combined with the fact that it was already banned, which I do think mattered, that's probably why he decided to ban the card. Um, I'm sad, um, but I do think it makes sense if you just take a step back and look at the gestalt. Um, but a part of me, you know, does, does think that innovation really ultimately suffers. Those so Fran, awesome. So Fran, I want to turn it to you. We're going to kind of round robin this as I find sections and I'm, I hope I'm doing okay. Everybody moderating this as best as I, as best as I can. Um, sure. No worries. Um, what is done is done. So nothing, nothing's changing right now. This is done. <clears throat> Format is now here without land tax. Fran, you were a brewer. Tom, you brew. Flint, you brew. And even, um, you know, Rich brews. As we keep going forward, I think Flint, you mentioned this, Rich touched on it, is while land tax is powerful, it, the deck was keeping some things in check. Um, before Parfait really popped off, we had a elf hysteria for a brief period of time. Um, this came along and elves took a step back. Now elves predator is gone. Do, does this open the brewing space? And I think it does because it nullified a lot of cool creature strategies, not just our normal go wides, but does it also open the door for something else to really take the place? Is survival too... I mean, survival is a powerful-ass card. I mean, is it opening the door to more problems? So from a brewer's perspective, Fran, do you feel like you are now more open to brewing? Or do you think your brewing is still going to be constrained now? Like, one boogeyman is gone. Sure, we have the other boogeyman, but now the elf boogeyman may be back. What, what are your thoughts as a brewer? And then we'll kind of rotate around those thoughts as far as where does the format go from here? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that as far as brewing goes, is what I was saying earlier, right? As long as you know what the terms of engagement are and you're aware of them and you take them into account when brewing your deck, it doesn't really matter what the rest of the format is, right? Unless you have something that's like outrageously ridiculous. I, I don't even know, like, I, I honestly don't have any, like, in modern, the, the Valky thing that happened, like, a couple of years ago, or whatever, I don't know if any of any, any you're gonna, uh, I mean, Tinker, Tinker, or uh, Memory Jar is probably a better example, like, something that is, Flash, uh, Flash Protean Hulk, or something like exactly. that, so, exactly, so, <laughs> exactly, as long as you don't have something that I, that is so outrageously better than everything else, I feel like there are, I mean, and that's, that's why I love this format so much, is that as long as you know what you need to fight against, it's kind of reasonable to do. Like, for example, if Dreadnought becomes the great deck 
awesome. You know, you have disenchant effects. You have if removal spells on literally every single color that answer it. Like every single color has answers to dreadnought and multiples of them. So even a card like meddling mage does get around them. You don't want to do that? Okay, just play sphere of resistance. Like there are so many angles that you can use Arcane in order to fight. Arcane Lab, exactly. So there's even some like roundabout ways to fight those kind of decks. Uh, the same thing it's true if for a deck like uh, like elves. Like you may need to start to get like a little bit more creative. Like, and, and this this is even to one. Ex- what am I trying to say here? Like, there's even some innovation that I feel is very underrated. Like, for example, I'm I'm still mind blown by the main deck. Faction Furnaces in Seldon's winning list from LobsterCon. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. That just like blew my mind. And it was the more that I thought about it, the more I, I, I'm just like, I, this is so good, you know? <laughs> so um, so even things like that, like just main decking some Faction Furnaces, like all of a sudden now elves can't just overrun you with card advantage. It's going to be sure they're going to draw one creature every turn if they if they want to like upgrade their creature that they balance back to hand with symbiote. They're going to be able to do that, but like they can't squeak anymore, right? Because you you have this like uh, furnace going on. So there's all of these roundabout ways of helping out in matchups that can potentially be problematic. Um, so I, I think that what we're going to see now is. Creature decks. I, I feel like creature decks are the biggest, big. They're gonna be the happiest ones about about the, the, the land tax ban, specifically because of Parfait. But this also is going to enable some counter creature decks as well. So we're going to go back to Prison Oath, for example, as as being one of the premier maybe Oath control decks with like blue cards and stuff like that. Something I've been trying to to mess around with for a while and have not been able to find success with. Like just so, so like Bant or uh, Bug, uh, Sultai, uh, like style control Oath decks. That kind of stuff I feel like can now have room to breathe because there's not an objectively better oath deck out there and i feel like that is going to that, that is going to unlock certain we're just going to see new cards being played right now that's that's the that's the the bottom line i think we're going to see a bunch of cards that we have not seen in a very long time i don't know if stuff like rancor and now you know like we're going to see more like green like maybe multicolored creature decks like as sioux style decks i don't know if it's going to be more zombies i don't i don't know what it's going to be uh but i do feel like overall the, the ones that are going to get the biggest buff are going to be the creature decks i i think here's where i want to push back against that and I know I keep talking about Dreadnought, but part of this is that when I imagine all the decks that could emerge, Pitrack absolutely can crawl out from under the shadows. I think that deck is the biggest recipient of something good and exciting here. A lot of these other decks are just going to get squished by Dreadnought. All of the decks that are trying to be beatdown decks, tribal decks, Stompy, etc., they no longer have to fear an Oath deck being quite as good. There will be other Oath decks. They won't be as good. But Dreadnought is as oppressive a force against those decks as Oath was. And I don't think I agree. And Having played Dreadnought, uh, because of what I was saying earlier, right? Like, I feel like 
there are so many answers to Dreadnought and so many of them are easier to... Like, for example, I am playing Dreadnought, I am O1X versus White Winnie decks. Like, I just can't beat them because... I it was parfait. It's, uh, yes, White, White Weenie has cards like Disenchant and Meddling Mage and ways exactly. to both. But that it, would also apply to Dreadnought. And so you would have to have a deck that was bad against Dreadnought, uh, that, that is good against Dreadnought, bad against Parfait, in order for it to be a novel deck that re-emerges. And I think- Yeah, but the thing is like, because there are cards, for example, there are cards like Crumble, Snuff Out. Snuff Out, I think is gonna be huge now, if, if, you, if you want it, because like the black decks, particularly like mono black uh, style, like aggro decks, like zombies mm. and whatnot, those kind of decks, they just could not ever compete with Parfait because a land tax resolve and it was just game over. The, the color pie just did, did, didn't help those decks at all. Mm-hmm. But now, like those decks actually have a ton of answers to to a Dreadnought. So I, I honestly, I'm not even sure that I, that the Dreadnought deck is even favored versus a deck that it can play multiple snap outs. It can play Smother, Diabolic Edict, even something like uh, what's what's this? The oh, Plague Bearer, right? Like no. there, there's some pretty messed up <laughs> answers to to Dreadnought in black. Um, so there, there are the problem is that now you have to take your zombie theme deck and just completely warp it around dealing with dreadnought. Um, well, but the I, thing is, yeah. the, all of those cards actually have utility besides dreadnought. So if you have that plague bearer, you can you can kill other de- other creature decks that play one drops. Like against elves, is it, gonna be is gonna be a pretty good card. Same thing with snuff out. Like snuff out is gonna be able to kill uh, it's gonna be able to kill dreadnoughts, but it's also gonna be able to kill meddling mages and like you know whatever other like arrogant worms and and whatever what whatever creature you, you want to be killed you know so the problem is like i feel like the tax the land tax or like specifically the parfait or like land tax style parfait decks answers were a lot more narrow and a lot more specific um what, what i could see though is something like enchantress coming back Enchantress was getting a lot of hate of like Tranquil Domains and Ray of Revelations yes. that people were packing. And now we're probably going to be seeing a little less of that. It wouldn't even completely blow my mind if now Goblins is not forced. Like the de facto version of Goblins is not red-green. Like right now, if you're playing anything that is not red-green glo- Goblins, you're just leaving percentage points on the... You're just leaving, you're throwing them in the garbage, right? Mm-hmm. Now it wouldn't surprise me if maybe like mono red goblins with ancient tombs is uh, can find a, an angle or things like that because it, there's not going to be so much pressure on, uh, on on like these specific cards that are not as easy necessarily to interact with. They can be interacted with, yeah, for sure, but they're not as easy as something like a creature. Like if the boogeyman is a creature, that's probably something that is, is a lot easier to to, to deal with. Sure, Dreadnought is going to have the not draw every now and then, right? Like, you're going to have a Dreadnought with days, foil, and counterspell backup. Like, that's going to happen every now and then. Um, and those games, the Dreadnought deck is going to win. Um, but I don't know. I feel like and this obviously sounds biased because I love Dreadnought, but I want to say that, again, like, I, I'm trying to, like, abstract myself and look at it from an outsider's perspective and, like, look at it in terms of, once again, the terms of engagement of the format. And I feel like, Dreadnought is a lot more reasonable. It may prove to be too good because of the shell, right? Like it may prove to be too good because of because of the whole gush plus everything. But like I think if you remove gush, for example, if the Dreadnought decks doesn't have gush anymore, 
All yeah. of a sudden, Dreno is perfectly fine. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I, I agree with that. And, sure. and for perspective, I didn't play land tags to start. I played a lot of Dreadnought. I played um, Dread still for years, as Tom knows. And so, you know, I'm not saying this because I don't like Dreadnought. I actually like Dreadnought more than land tax as a card that I have a long history with. I just think it's going to be a massive warping problem in the future. But sure. I love the card. And right now, if I had to enter a tournament, it's your blue-white Dreadnought deck that I'm going to play. I think it's going to be the best deck in the format. That's pretty good. So I'd like to, <laughs> this is one area in this conversation. So the reason beyond moderating, I have stayed mostly silent in this is I don't play land tags. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, but as a person who has been on the opposite side of land tags and dreadnought, because like Flint, as people know, I enjoy a red deck. I enjoy my fire blasts and all of that. If I had to sum it up as a red player who was suffering under the weight of land tax decks and dreadnought decks, because they're, they're two opposite parts of a bad spectrum for red, <laughs> I would much rather fight the dreadnought fight. The reason being is when I'm fighting the dreadnought fight, from my perspective, it is a lot. When I have to answer it, if I'm just answering that deck, my answers are usually cheaper, more narrow, and more effective. And Dreadnought also suffers from the problem of sometimes they just don't have it. Parfait, the way it's built and the work that got put into it with cards that do a lot of the same things you're not playing four scroll racks you're playing seven or eight with enlightened tutor the consistency in which number one it keeps my mana down so i can't double spell you i can't play out creatures to get in ship damage additionally you can go turn one diamond land or not even you don't even have to do that turn one land whatever go get Ivory Tower. Go get Zurin Orb. Oh, that doesn't work? Some versions had Argivian Fine. Had Replenishes earlier. The I would much rather fight about against the deck that is extremely powerful, which is Dreadnought. That will probably beat me still 60% of the time. But sometimes they don't have it, and it's easier to fight versus the deck that made it feel impossible a lot of times. Times to play the red deck. Now, Flint made awesome innovations with going down to the one mana thing, but that made us weaker against other decks. So that is, from the perspective of the guy who's gotten beaten up senseless by both of these decks, um, that's where I'm at, and that's probably the best contribution I can give to this part of the conversation. Um... With that being said, so as we go around, let's take a look at chat. By the way, 40-ish um, people watching, people from everywhere. Um, I was very nervous about doing a live stream version of this. I didn't know how it was going to go. Could have been a disaster. Um, it hasn't been. People are engaging. We've had Ron Diggity in chat. Jeff is here. Um, Herr Glanz, I can't remember 100% who that is. Shout out to Anton. Anton. Anton Glanz. Anton being very... I want to read something Anton wrote here. 
As someone who knows Berlin, I appreciate your respectful tone towards this announcement, guys. I understand it evokes great emotion for many of us, especially Parfait players like Rich, who have spent an enormous time investment with the deck. But I know Berlin cares so much about the format and curating the ban list. This, this decision must have been extremely tough to make, but I have faith in him and his vision. And I think we can all agree with that going forward, is whether or not we necessarily agree with the decision. I don't think it was made in any sort of bad manners, bad taste. There was thought put into it. So I, I don't think you can ever put any ill intent of saying, this just is bad, I don't like it. And this community from at least this chat, from, I mean, I haven't even looked at Facebook and Twitter. Maybe I don't want to. <laughs> um, but people, at least here, have been responding in such a way that gives me a lot of pride to be involved with this format. Because I've seen the band discussions from Modern, from Pioneer, from other things. And it is this cesspool of just, I don't know what you call it. Um, so thank you to everyone here. For being like this. So as we move on, we were discussing, uh, Fran, you got to touch on some innovation. Um, Rich, so now that tax, we do not have access to tax. And as you come out of the tax, and as we come out of the shock of it or the, the day of it, um, where, oh, actually, before we do that, uh, it's the other pre-modern bro. Hey, guys. I was hey. at the pool all day with family. Did, did something happen? Something may have happened today. I don't know. Uh, did we finally get tendrils? We, we got tendrils, man. You missed it. And we got Mind's Desire. All of it. <laughs> Absolutely I'm all in. of it. I'm in. Um, I'm going to middle school. There it is. But uh, welcome to Gabe Farkas, a wonderful voice in the community. I think um, I know all of you, except I don't know that I met you, Fran, but nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> so... Uh, Gabe messaged me and said, hey, I've been in pre-modern. I was here uh, before the unbanning of tax, et cetera, et cetera. So, Gabe, can you give us your perspective on what you thought when you saw this and the perspective of being from a place where you've been here when it was initially banned, yeah. the unbanning, et cetera? I actually, so so the there was like a pre-modern online open in like 2018, and I actually was paired up against Martin himself and had a long conversation with him. And I think I've talked about this a little bit before. And we talked about land tax amongst other things. And his argument at the time was like, there's factor fiction, there's AK, there's standstill, there's like all this other card advantage engine, which is not wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, how, let's see how it competes against that and let's try it. But I think, I guess the thing I'm not, the reason I'm not surprised is because he made it seem like it was an experiment. At the time, like the let's try it. Yeah, the unbanning, the unbanning, the unbanning. Yeah, because historically, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich or Tom, wherever else, it was banned and extended for a while. Uh, it was banned in Legacy for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, I think it was always sort of like let's test it, see what happens, right? I think I could have saved a lot of time if someone had told me that years ago. Um, That's fair. I, I guess I didn't realize that having been banned put the sort of cloud over a card as a don't don't get too invested in this card because we might ban it again. I wasn't aware of that when I started playing this format. I think it was him informally saying it to me. I don't think he ever formally said it's an experiment. I think that that, you know, this format is a playground for a lot of cards that are for whatever reason, either 
outdated or banned in legacy type one, all that other stuff. And to me, that's been part of the fun of this. Like survival's banned in legacy. It's not banned in vintage, but I haven't looked at vintage in years, but when I did, it wasn't good enough to see play. Um, and then you have all these other cards that just don't see play. And this is sort of the last place where you can play it like gosh. I mean, I, I, again, I know I keep going back to the Dreadnought. Fran, this is really, in some ways, Gush slash Dreadnought. It's not actually Dreadnought. It's, it's the Gush. I, again, I, I don't feel personally attached. Like, if Dreadnought got banned, I, I, w- I will find something else. Don't worry about me. <laughs> I'll figure <Yeah>. it out. <laughs> so, as Gabe, coming back to it, what was the initial reaction to the experiment that was unbanning land tax initially because this is an interesting perspective that i think adds to the story were people dubious were people upset people like eh i mean what what was the thought oh gabe i think you're muted you're muted (laughs) sorry you're good you're good i think i was gonna say i think flint you started not too long after me and i think it happened around the same time, if you probably remember, as the format exploded in general. So it's hard to disentangle that yeah, from yeah. the unbanning, right? Sure. Um, like, it, who knows? It's like a, almost a chicken or the egg type of thing. I don't think people started rushing to it because Plantex was unbanned. Um, but so it's hard to disentangle it for me. I think um, um, I think it, the first thing that came about was Terrageddon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, that was the first shell people saw it in. I think before Lantax. Okay, so I will say this: the only time I saw a scroll rack before Lantax was unbanned was um, uh, <clears throat> Oath decks, where it was like, "Oops, I drew the creature." Right. Mm, okay, um, I get that. That was the only time I remember seeing scroll rack at all, and so I remember thinking to myself, "Like, there's no reason for me to ever pick up this card because um, <laughs> I'm not an Oath player or whatever," and so. I think that was the thing people like to me, it's a natural progression where like, this is what happens. Like people will kind of optimize, optimize, optimize. I think Fran, I saw you say earlier about how like you want to brew and spike it up and figure out the optimal, whatever. And I think that's what people are doing. And I suspect, and I'm just hypothesizing here a little bit, but I suspect that this was a little bit preemptive of like, okay, I see how bad this can get if I let it get this way. So let me nip it in the bud before it does. I, you know, I can see. I, that I felt argument. like it was a little preemptive, honestly. And so I, I'm with you there, Rich. Sorry, one more thing, Will. Um, yeah, no, go ahead. And I think, I think um, um, the thing that and I, I agree with a lot of what Rich said about it too, because I, I don't know, I, I don't want the format to be constantly changing, and we constantly think about, oh, this however many dollars card that I have is no longer playable and whatever. Um, I think the one thing I'll say personally, in my opinion, about Lantex is that it itself is not necessarily super powerful because it's basic lands, whatever, but it is the thing that supercharges the power of so many cards, most centrally scroll rack. However, <clears throat> um, it does supercharge even something as corny as like Imperial Armor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sure. And so, or even something like Seismic Assault or whatever, right? Because, yes. Flint, did you have Lantex in that lands deck where you won in 2020? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, no, but, not in that lands deck, but I had okay. Seismic Assault and Lantex yeah. and some other it, decks, it, it, like in a Pink it, Prison deck. <laughs> so I say this to someone with an undergrad degree in chemical engineering. It is, to me, the ultimate catalyst for making mm-hmm. other things much more powerful. And so I think that that that's the one argument. That's the best argument, I think, for, I for banning all it. of that. I guess I just don't think we're living in that world. 
I think we are, we're, people are talking like we're living in a world where land tax is in like 30% of decks and like is putting up 60% of the, is getting 60% win ratio. Right. And it's not. And I think that my, my, my fear is the precedent. My fear is stifling. I agree with that 100%. Incentivizing innovation. Like, like, sure. I, I, think I don't. I, I want to keep being able to work on ridiculous decks and optimizing them, and I want to be able to do so without the specter that if if Stasis looks like it might be good, it'll get banned, and if whatever other deck looks like it might be good, it's in danger of getting banned. I think in a com casual community-driven format, the threshold for how much of the win rate or how much of the meta it's taking is a lot lower than in a format like Legacy or or Modern or whatever. I also so, feel like it's a lot less important too, right? Because yeah. uh, like we're just not really looking yeah. at win percentages. Like Rich said it multiple times, like the win percentage was not on perfect sides, right? right. So yeah, we're, we're more talking about uh, this is as much of a, even though, and I feel like we're getting like super tangled on, on the article itself when it feels like the real reasoning for the banning is all along what it was said I'm the very the very bottom of the article right which is it's unfun people like the the majority of the community doesn't like the card and doesn't like the, this style of play patterns and stuff and it just takes a long time so i know that you know martin wrote the article and he put all of those like facts and all of, he he said all of these things about the power level thing in the end i don't think that really matters because like that is probably like 30% of reasoning behind the banning or, or maybe even less than that. But the we I think we can all agree that the the, the meat of the potatoes, like is that a phrase in, in English or I feel the like meat, I heard that sound the meat of the argument, yeah. Exactly. yeah. The meat of the Close argument. <laughs> it really is that. And I I don't think that we need to get too soaked up on on, on this whole like like the, the fact that it was the longer part of the argument doesn't necessarily mean that it was the most important part. I, I think the, the SDT analogy is a valid one in terms of unfun games, especially for a casual format. Sure. So is it yeah, safe exactly. to say to to break this down a little bit? And Anton, I know you know Martin personally. I don't know how much you talk. Is I think there was a general sense of surprise at when this announcement came because a lot of us are saying. Could land tax have been um, moving towards a problem? I think there's an argument say it's moving towards a problem. Sure. I think that's an argument you can make. Was it an overarching problem? No. So I think the reason we get tangled in the article a little bit is because instead of, and I agree with this, instead of focusing mainly on the it was not a fun experience for maybe new players or casual players, and it took a long time. It seemed to jump mostly into a what happens if scenario, as Rich mentioned. So maybe if we take the what happens if part of the article, because maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. Who knows? Yeah. We can agree that in inexperienced hands or even mild hands, Parfait eats a lot of clock, both online and in person, which makes TOs struggle, especially as Jared mentioned on his podcast when he was looking at data, like you only have a venue for a certain amount of time, especially if you're doing a cut to top eight. So there's that. Additionally, in a casual format where there are spiky players like Bran, 
uh, like myself. I, I think all of us here are relatively spiky. We're not mean people, but we want to win. We we like the excitement of winning. Um, sure. but I've not told them too mean sometimes. Nah, you just you're just a you're just a kind-hearted soul, Gabe. Kind-hearted soul. Um, <laughs> but it's the um the fun of the format is where people are coming into it at and the scaring them away. If yeah. that's their first matchup may actually be a thing. I, um, so yeah. if there's anything, what, we what Anthony's, like, I was going to say like what Anthony's saying in the chat is also very true, right? Like land tax is not 30% of the meta because this is a community created format and the incentive to play the format is very diversified and winning tournaments is not the main cause cause of deck choice. And that's a sure. very, very true thing as well. Sure. I feel like if we if we had like a pre-modern pro tour with like fifty thousand dollars on the line, oh god, I'm pretty sure that, that land tax would be much a much bigger percentage. Yeah. Of I mean, you're starting to see tournaments with cash payouts, you store credits, stuff like that. That I know. I think I'm pretty sure Mike Arnold's tournaments in California had those. The mm -hmm. I'm organized. I'm actually organizing a local, like I guess you call it a tournament tomorrow here in the RTP area and. A couple of people asked me, like, can we have like a buy-in and store credit, whatever? And I was like, I, I kind of don't want to. It's a weird, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird it, thing. I, I, like, and, and, so, and I want, I want to say, like, I think that this is fine. I, I feel like there, there's a place for that. Like, I think that if you want to have a competitive tournament, it's, 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 it's great. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but that is where that would go. I think, right? Um, so it, it's a matter of even like the ones that we have had in Cali were like, I think it were like $30 to play. And the, the, the payout was like first place was 400 in store credit or something like that, mm. which is not nothing, obviously. Right. That's, that's, it is some money. And that, that is definitely some, some, some store credit that they, you, you can buy some stuff with that. I mean, but even the Misty tournament was a, a mox demo. Like how much is the mox demo right now? Like, is it like 600 uh, Probably bucks or something? Probably less. It's, yeah, I mean, 500. Wait, Rich is trying to get It's actually 600, Rich. Just tell everybody that it's 600. So, Don't worry about it. So I think, I think there's a distinction to be made here. Um, This is kind of a little tangent subject, but one that's Will. also in this community. Go ahead. Will, before you jump in on that, I just want to, want to say thanks for having me. I got to hop off. I'm having some okay. folks over, so I got to prepare Always dinner. But Take care, Flint. Really nice Thank you, guys. You. Love, the, Thank love you. the insights. Sounds great, man. Bye, Flint. Take care. I'm just going to say, if I lived in the Midwest and was going to come to the Misty Mountain event, I would have definitely thought long and hard about, like, what deck am I best with and is going to give me a good chance to do well? No, yeah, exactly. sure. That would have changed my thinking for sure. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I, I think, mean, but, but what I'm I saying is, that's like, okay. if, you, if Sorry, Fran, I just want to finish one that, point. Yeah, sure. Yeah, go May ahead. I finish one point? I apologize. Because this is something I've actually changed my opinion on. Um, I was very spiky when I came in. Prizes are good. Prizes are good. And even if it was money, I think I've changed my opinion where prizes are still good. I think I like it more when the prizes are cards. I like it if it's a Mox Diamond. I like it if it's a survival. I like value, but I want it to be something I'm going to use in the format. And I think once you start introducing actual high level cash and that's that's yeah. a debate you can have on what that level is that's a slippery slope and that's when things start getting a little i don't know dicey 
I agree in my that opinion, just nicer than cash. That's yeah, how that tournaments used to be. You know, Nick ran an amazing NYSE series that would give out pieces of power. They weren't quite as expensive back then, but that <laughs> felt like a really nice prize structure. Yeah, Brand, what um, were you gonna say? I'm sorry. No, what I was gonna say is like it is a big difference, right? Like, and what Gabe said right there, actually, it's it's interesting because what Dave just said was. If there's like a Mox Diamond on the line, I'm going to think long and hard about which deck is going to give me the best chance of winning. While if there's $50,000 on the line, you would just bring the best deck. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not thinking about which deck I can play best. I will yeah. spend the next six months or however long long time I have sure. to, to just make sure that I am the best at playing whatever the best deck is which very likely would be some sort of tax rack deck. Uh, and, and I would imagine like most people would do that, right? Like, the incentives are like very different. At that if they point. have the pieces for the tax rack deck. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, but, but again, but, but you're playing for 50 K, right? Like that yeah, yeah, actually yeah. gives you like a pretty good incentive to say, okay, I'm going to shell out like this, like $2,000 to like buy my boxes that I'm missing. And I'm going to play the best, the, the actual best deck that is going to give me the best chance of winning if I am playing it at the top level. So at that point, if we actually did have a pro tour, I think that yes, that land tax would be much, much uh, higher up there. But I mean, right now the, the biggest we have obviously is LobsterCon, which was don't get me wrong, was the best the best tournament I've ever attended in my entire life. So, and at the same time, the first prize was a survival, right? Well, you know we're, what I'm saying? We're, we're once again back to the hypothetical theoretical. Oh, yes. Yeah, we are. We are. Really good on paper, but does not actually have the data to back it up. I, I, but, well, well, 100%. we do. Well, we do I, have a we do have a little data. And then, Tom, I have a question for you: Is we had an unfortunate situation in which clout, not even money, clout came into play with the monthly. We did have a person who, to my understanding, it was stated that they did not deny cheating. That's what they said. And that they said it because of they wanted to have a better ranking within TC decks. That was something. <laughs> says, says, so, says the guy. Says the guy who wanted his own ranking system too. Let's just hey, point out. Hey, hey, hey! I, I don't mind a ranking system. I don't this know. Lantex's fault. Okay. Lantex did not do this. No, 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 no. We're we're on tan we're on wow. tangents. But, but people will do things for clouds. So, let me let me ask a question. I think we need to frame our our review of this banning around the question of. What do we want to get out of pre-modern and what do we want pre-modern oh. to look like? And if, if you're going to, if, if you were to give me truth serum and ask me way deep down, I would probably tell you that I think pre-modern, a part of me at least thinks pre-modern has gotten a little, a little bigger than I'd like, right? Because of stuff like that happening and because stuff like that has the specter of happening. Um, and so I think the question is like, and probably all five of us want something slightly different, but probably not that different out of pre-modern, right? Sure. But that's the question, what do we want out of it? Because then that'll dictate, like, if we're okay with bannings and bannings all the time, that'll dictate if we want a deck that has this level of inevitability, which it does. I mean, I freaking lost to a, a parfait deck whose win con was bamboozle, <laughs> okay? So, and that was with glooms in my sideboard. Tom, what do you want out of pre-modern? This is a good question. What do you want? Truth, what do you everyone want has taken truth, truth, everything has taken truth serum. What do we want pre-modern to be, Tom? Uh, wait, Will, you got a little low there. I don't know if it was me or you. Did you say my name? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, Sorry. 
Uh, okay. What if you took truth There's serum? Right. I like that analogy. Um, what what do you want pre-modern to be? Yeah, man. I mean, I you know we talked about this. Like, I am a spike. Like, I I want to win. Also, that's why like I was taking it personal when I couldn't win a monthly. Um, but I also like have made so many friends. Like, you know that. I, I wish I wasn't sick at Lobster Con that I could have spent like more time with and hung out with. Um, so I really don't know. I, I guess I have to say I don't know because I the, I think the main thing then, if I don't say I don't know, is just having fun, but also it being very competitive. I just like when there's a meta and um, you got the tier one decks, but also some tier two decks. I just like the very competitive nature and pre-modern does have that. I think the monthlies have gotten a little more competitive, um, which I like. Um, it's just, I guess, my nature, but um, yeah, I just, I would say I want it to be fun, but competitive. And then, um, Rich, what are you, Truth Serum on, what are you looking for out of pre-modern? I want this. I want exactly this. I want five of us who are taking time out of our Saturday evenings that we're so enthusiastic and passionate about this format that we're all here because we all really care about this format you might have different views and different opinions, but we're all here out of a love for this format. I want this to be able to be, if not a retirement home for old cards, at least a retirement home for elderly <laughs> wizards. There it is. The something interesting to innovate on, something to work on, something to strive for, both in terms of community and in terms of cards. And the 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 main concern I have about this banning, it's it's not that we won't have a good format without land tax. It's it is in some ways not about the land tax. It is about the precedent of stifling or disincentivizing innovation. I would have felt very different about this and maybe less bad. It would have been bad either way, but probably less bad if this had been, hey, we're banning this card. It took a really long time um, and we just can't have this many rounds going to time. Don't bother putting time into stasis. Don't really work on that because it's going to have the same thing. And instead, it was about power level and theoretical power level. And that, to me, has the concern of stifling the desire to push decks to their limit. Because I am a spike. Mm -hmm. I'm also a Vorthos. I, I, I like art. I care about the cards visually and all that. <laughs> so but, do I. Yes, I... <laughs> I don't think power level is theoretical. That's the part I take issue with. <laughs> well, it is. That? It is theoretical. But let, let, let's come back to that one because. Okay. But yeah, let's yeah. Uh, so, let's let's come so, back to that one. You finish, okay. uh, so, and then Fran. So long and short, I want people to be working hard to break this format in half because I think that's fun, and I my fear is that the numbers have not borne out parfait being broken. And yet here it is being banned. And if the criteria are that it makes too many rounds go to time, fair enough, but that should have been the rationale, the reasoning given, not mostly power level. And then an afterward where he explicitly says that stasis is not getting banned because it is not currently putting up numbers like this. And that's scary that's terrifying because that means that you, you should not work on stasis because if you do and it gets good, he will ban it. And I think that to me is a, uh, is a major concern. Fran? Yeah, that's actually a pretty, that's actually a pretty good point. 
but but yeah, I mean to to answer the question, I mean, since I started playing the format, it's been exactly what I wanted or needed. In fact, I just stopped playing all other formats and now pre-modern is literally all the magic that I play. And since I did that, it's been awesome. In fact, I can't wait for BK to tell me how much uh, he's going to give me for the cards that, that I left him when I went to Misty's because like that that's going to mean <laughs> how many pre-modern cards I get to get, which is very exciting. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, what this format is to me, it's like all of the good stuff with, without having to deal with the past stuff. And that definitely does include, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the whole cheaters thing, I don't think that's avoidable, honestly. And I don't think, I feel like the, the argument of, of uh, you know, like spikes are more likely to cheat. I don't think that that's also necessarily true. So I don't think that if, if that's what you want to prevent, that's not the way to fight that. I feel like bringing more spikes is not really going to be a problem with that. What was done is exactly what needs to be done. What, what was done is was the perfect thing. It was like, you see this person right here with name and last name? This person is not allowed to play at our tournaments because they cheated. That is how you eliminate cheaters. You just don't allow them to exist in their community. And I think that that is what, I, what the community should be. And that's why this community is healthy, because this is how it was, uh, this is how it was handled. You know, we're banning this person. Like, if you want to be like this person, perfect. Get the hell out of my community. You know what I'm saying? Don't play my format because you're not welcome here. And that is how you, that is how you fix this problem. Like the whole spikiness or like casualness has nothing to do because I, I have been cheated at the kitchen table. <laughs> So, like, it, it just has not. It just it's completely unrelated, um, and this format, in in my opinion, has the perfect balance in term between people who are trying to do what I'm trying to do, which is like you know build the the best deck they can and like break the format again, like really digging in and understanding the terms of of engagement and like trying to find the best way to fight against. Uh, against those like to, to to be a step ahead of those and uh, the, the gameplay is just fantastic it is the best gameplay that magic has to offer it just Balance. is, <laughs> it is. <laughs> all it takes is like fire up one modern league or pioneer league and tell me how you feel about it you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um, it doesn't it doesn't take you too, too long to figure that out um so it is it is exactly what, and the fact that you also get to play with sweet cards that's just you know <laughs> that's just like cherry on top is just mwah, perfect all around so uh, i i hope that that premodern remains like this i feel like this is going to be just a little uh, bump in the road and uh, to be fair i don't think that i am against bumps in the road uh I feel like when you're going a little bit slower, you get to appreciate things a little bit better. Uh, mm -hmm. So bumps in the road are not necessarily not necessarily bad. So uh, bands and bands, I welcome them all. Mystical Tutor, it's I think it's your time to shine now. Come 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 hang out with the good guys. Um, and I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm not joking at the same time. Like I do think that we that having more bands and bands is is not necessarily a bad thing for the format. Uh, sure. Banning something like survival, it's it would be rough, particularly monetarily speaking. Uh, mm. But I do feel like this format is so great because it's so 
remarkably good at self-correcting. Mm-hmm. And we did see that with the whole elf thing that you were talking about earlier, Will, which is like everybody like freaked out about elves. And then nobody freaked out about elves anymore because they just, you know, we saw more engineer plagues being played. We saw more like pyrokinesis start to show up. We people realized, oh, like there's all, also these other angles that I can fight against elves with like Ray of Revelation and like to, to deal with survivals. And I don't even need to play that many because, you know. They, they just answer multiple survivals by themselves. Uh, even for action furnace, like Selden figure out again, pow, crazy. Um, hey, but I think Selden got that for me. I was putting it in my, my tog deck long yeah. before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Engineer plays, baby, four of them. Let's go. Wills, Wills friend, innovation. Friend, Excuse me. Friend, I think what you said is very, very well said. And I think that's sort of the point that I was thinking earlier, but t- taking it out to the next logical point, Ls came about. And frankly, like one of my favorite decks, Pitrack would not exist if it had not been for the Elves Boogeyman coming around because that was the natural reaction to it. Engineered Plague, other stuff like that. And like, I don't know that there is a, a deck that can be an equally good or better foil to Parfait. I don't, I mean, I'm curious. I know you guys were talking about Arcane Lab recently or whatever. Like, I don't know what deck can be the the foil to to parfait it's just it's too resilient uh so i would i would say dreadnought dreadnought is unfortunately uh uh foil to parfait that that is a comparison in a lot of ways i mean not 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 with sam's list right like when we saw like blue white it was blue white dreadnought nate with nathan playing it against sam's deck and he it looked like he didn't have a chance like Sam had way more dreadnoughts and he had like way more, like he could like reassemble so much more quickly than Nathan ever could. Sure. So I think when there's an interesting point about parfait list is not everything that is tax rack is parfait. This has been said by a lot. I can't, I don't classify Sam's deck or even, um, uh, Pemmin's deck. I can't, I'm blanking on his real name. Yeah. I don't even necessarily know if I classify those as parfait decks. Right. They are right. a tax rack deck. Parfait, yeah. you're doing something much more specific than just controlling the game. You're legitimately yeah. a, a prison deck, like Xur's Weirding. Yeah. Your oath your oath isn't getting the creature that's winning the game. It's just stopping you from losing yeah. the game. Yeah, the term parfait has gotten like genericized I, in a yeah, way. So like, I like I think or whatever. Tax rack is probably a better description if we're going to have an umbrella term for the stuff. For, for Mark uh, and Sam's lists, you could say the gush is the real problem there, because in a lot of ways it is. And, you know, I know I've made the point before that gush is broken, and it is, but those are as much gush decks as tax rack decks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing I'll say. I think the part of the ethos behind what Martin wanted out of pre-modern, and this is from reading on the blog and wherever else, like is the to make it specifically different from legacy and like the underlying idea that it should be a home for iconic and fun cards that don't see play in other formats, either because of relative power levels withered or because mm-hmm. what was that card? Vengevine with survival, whatever it is, right? And so mm-hmm. the cards yeah. that are like pre-modern iconic cards, like the ones that dif- differentiated from legacy, vintage, whatever, survival, oath, frantic search. Tinker, Gush, Hermit Druid. I don't see any of those ever getting banned because 
they are like the underpinning of the format. And likewise, I think you're never going to see Brainstorm. You're never going to see Force of Skill. You're never going to see Tendrils of Agony. You're never going to see um, World Gorger for similar reasons, because like you, the idea was to, you know, differentiate it from these other eternal formats. That so, would have been such a good thing to put in his article. If he had said, I know that a lot of the decks that are using Lantax are also using Gush, but, and he gave all the reasons you just mentioned, I would have felt a lot more like I understood exactly what was happening. So yes, sure. I think that this chat has generated a lot of things that could have and probably should have gone into Martin Berlin's article about why Lantax, rather than say Gush, was getting the axe. So one point I want to jump into, and Gabe, you were in the chat kind of saying this, is Rich, one of your main points with this was um, that the numbers weren't there. There's this hypothetical fairy tale land in which it has taken over. Mm -hmm. One of Gabe's yeah. points, and one I think is valid, is while the numbers may not have been there yet, the fact that it existed was warping deck building in such a way that it was already i don't know if detrimental would be the word but it just completely eliminated some strategies that are both competitive and fun to play and nostalgic to people gabe is that limiting i feel uh, like sure that's so, a better word sure if that's I'm fair remembering correctly what you're talking about i think it was that like rich you made the point about how lantex warps deck building and my comment was that that speaks to the power of Lantax yes. that it incentivizes people to warp their deck building to the to build around it. Yes, that's because, correct. Because yeah. otherwise like I mean so so I would love for like a mono white non-Lantax kind of prisony deck to exist. This probably wouldn't be strong enough with or without Lantax, but like just Lantax just it, so like okay Here's, here's part of the reason, and Rich, you and I first interacted with each other in old school, and part of the reason I have I have really gone away from playing a lot of old school is because the play patterns got a little redundant, and the deck building got a little redundant, to me at yeah. least, where the same 45 cards are in every freaking deck, right? Yep. And, and people say, that. people say it's such a fun format, really. Well, then how come you have power in every single deck? And every time I post a deck that didn't have power, people say, you should add a mox to it, make it so much better. No shit, I mean, Sherlock, right? And so, like... <laughs> um, format but you have to view fun as doing the same thing over and over again sure sure you want to do the thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um but my point is like land text to me felt a little bit like that in that um it it kind of it, you have this like tax rack starter pack that picks up you know however many cards in your deck 30 or whatever it ends up being if you want to do our giving restoration or got more guys blessing whatever your specific flavors are but it's like 30 35 cards in your deck and then, like they say on whatever Eternal Dirtles, other podcasts, like then you can just win with a ham sandwich. I think right? we could have been there in a year. I think we could have been there in maybe six months. I just don't think we were there. I, I don't disagree there. And that, like I said at the start, and I think I wrote in the comments that I, I, I will say that I, it felt a little preemptive to me, but only a little. Sure. That's yeah. One so, thing that I feel. Sorry, one more oh, thing. Sorry. I just want to make a point back to something we were saying before. The way my play group does it a lot of times with when we have local events, just to talk about tournaments and prizes, whatever, the idea is everyone has to contribute a playable card. So you can't do like a, you know, um, some corny ass thing from Prophecy or whatever, but a <laughs> playable card. And then everyone goes around and signs it. <clears throat> and then whoever like wins or has the best record gets the first pick of, from the table with all the signed cards and everything. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And to, to that point, to that point, if you're going to ban Gush, then I can't play this sweet Gush that I've got. Right now, okay? <laughs> so you're going to tell me I can't play this Gush? I don't think so. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. I mean, and that's something cool, too, on that note is uh, I got to when uh, Aaron and his crew held their two-headed giant uh, pre-modern event, which, by the way, is something that should be explored more because that was really yeah. fun to watch. Um, like, I got a millstone that's signed and stamped by everybody. I love that damn thing. It's on my yeah. bla- my plaque and everything. So, yeah, that things like... About old school. That is an old school custom. And yep. it holds an awesome nostalgia pieces. Fran, you were going to say something, though. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, I was going to say, like, something that that I, I also feel like um, to, to go back to, and I don't know if this was actually pointed out in the article, but it's something that uh, Jeff just said in the chat. And it's like the, the biggest difference between Lantax shells and Gush shells is that Lantax forces non-games while Gush does not. Being put into a drastic losing position because you play even one land is a bad play pattern. I well, feel great. like that, I, I don't know if that was said earlier. If, if it did, I missed it. Uh, but I do feel like that is that is a big red flag right there, you know, to explain somebody new to the format that, no, actually, you have to not play a land here because otherwise you're going to lose. Yeah. They're going to be like, yeah. wait, what do you mean? So how will I win then? Well, the way that you win is you discard to hand size for however many turns it takes for you to find the naturalize effect, and then you naturalize the land tax, and then you get to play the game normally. Yeah. There, I don't know. That uh, do. It's also, Standstill does that, and Oath of Druids does that. Yeah, Where exactly. Is to not actually play your deck. And exactly. I, I get it that those cause frustration, they're annoying, and they lead to really awkward play patterns, and I would also put Factor Fiction in that category, because it doesn't stop you from playing your deck, but if more than most cards, it really punishes players that haven't played against it before. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, but I feel like oh, yeah. there's some there's some learning to be done with factor fiction, right? Like uh, there's like a there's a learning curve with yeah. factor fiction where the more that you play against the card and the more that you play the format, the better that you get. So obviously, you you will get punished like the first time or two that it gets cast against you, and you will lose horribly, but once you get to the hundredth time that it happens against you, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I've been here before. This is actually interesting. I have this little like uh, puzzle to solve right here, right now. You know, it was presented to uh-huh. me with like no preset or anything like that. Now it's yeah. in front of me and I have to assess what I have, what my opponent could have. Like, Factor Fiction is is, is awesome. Um, while Lantax, I don't think, I don't think that has that uh, play pattern like it, it does to an extent where it gets to the point where you realize, no, actually my best chance of winning here is that my opponent has nothing and I just play into the land tax and I just let them do the thing. Yeah. But even when you do, even when you do, and we actually saw this in the very last run of Lost Recon, I was watching Lanny play against, um, I can't remember his name, but he was playing the Sam Black, uh, the Mono Blue deck. And it was, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating, turn... 30 or 35 and Lani had one Mox Diamond in play or maybe no cards at all and it was just 
they were both discarding to hand size every turn. And this went on for like a solid 20 turns or something like that before Lanny finally found the situation where he could like play a mox and like duress and, uh, you know, and a bunch of things happen. So, uh, you know, but, but this gross. took like, you know, obviously it, it takes hundreds, if not probably hundreds of hours before mm-hmm. you realize that that is the correct play and that, I don't know, like, I, it was interesting in a moral kind of way, but it was not necessarily fun for anybody involved or anybody watching, you know what I'm sure. saying? So we're uh, going yeah, to take this second to uh, kind of push this conversation beyond, because we're coming up, we, we've done a lot of talking about land tax here, uh, what it is, what it is, um, and what could be, has been, but I want to get into a point of where are we going next? Because we can talk all day long, and it's great conversation, but nothing's changing. We are now here. What I want to ask, and I'm going to start with Tom, and then I'm going to go to each, is the banning of land tax, for better or worse, what does it open up as far as ideas for you in progressing in building a new deck, progressing the format forward? Where do we go from here? And Tom, I'd like to start with you. Um, actually, well, I'll say in my first because um, I'm, regardless of it make it ban or not, uh, I'm going back to the stasis train, and I have ideas. So, uh, not questions. I well, I'll have all the questions and I'll have the answers too. Um, but Tom, why don't you start off off? Then we'll go. Tom, we'll go to Rich, then Gabe, then you, friend, and then we'll kind of probably wrapper up here because we're coming up on three hours of awesome content <laughs> mm. so tom you go ahead all right yeah so um just to real quick though add in and i think um because one topic will we were talking about earlier was like you know what did help fight parfait um and rich can definitely agree to it this is why i brought landstill to Lobstercon, is because yeah. i think parfait had a seriously hard time having game against Landstill. So um, now, though, post-ban, um, I, I do, again, I don't know for sure, but just, like, uh, being invested in the format and watching the format, uh, I think without Lantax here, you will see more, like, mid-range strategies. Not The Rock. The Rock actually had a pretty good game because of Deed, but I think Dead Guy L gets opened up uh, and can definitely make some adjustments uh, without him not expecting Gabe. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think I think Dead Guy L. You must be referring to just the black white mid range deck then. Uh, yeah, something like that. Um, it's PDGA playable good that playable Dead Guy L, right, Fran? Uh, but I think decks that's just one spectrum. I think some more mid range decks, um, spe- specifically Dead Guy L, because I think it's a very good deck, um, gets opened up into this meta. Um, I'm actually probably going to start there. Um, but I also think some aggro decks like Suicide Black or even Zombies. Zombies is, no, is one of them that stood out to me immediately. I was like, this deck is definitely going to be uh, an all-star in this meta. Um, it's got some weak matchups like Sly, but that's another one that comes back into it. Sly now is like... I, I think so. Dreadnought maybe as a package, like Blue-White Stifle Knot, will be maybe the best deck. But I think Sly is going to be really close too. Because before... Rich broke the format wide open with with, with, with your Parfait deck, which was amazing. It, it really was like a work of, of science there. Um, like, Sly, I think, is 
the best deck. It can win fast and it's resilient with its sideboard pieces, specifically against like blue decks where it has access to pyroblasts and stuff. Um, so yeah, and I think elves we're gonna see that. Um, but I, I think specifically what we're going to see kind of shift in a little bit will be aggro decks like zombies, mid range decks like dead guy ale. And even though it's not great, but even you know decks like uh, fires where you can just you know you can play birds of paradise and land not being elves, but like birds of paradise and stuff like that, you don't have to worry as much. Might run into oath decks, but it's not going to be as as um, you know frequent or, or stuff like that because um, I don't know how good oath is. You know, before Parfait, you know, I'm just not sure. Uh, maybe the Pyrostatic Oath deck is the best one, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I figure, you know, I'll pass it off to Rich next. If that, um, but yeah, um, that's that's what I'm thinking. Thanks, Tom. All right. Um, I think that Dreadnought's going to be the best deck. And I think that otherwise Sly would be the best deck. Sly's a very healthy best deck in the format. It's good against goblins, it's good against elves, it's good against control, but it will be weak against Dreadnought, and then you'll have best deck, deck that beats the best deck while still being good against combo, and I think people will figure out that if you play Brain Freeze, you beat Blue-White Control. Um, don't tell anyone. But No, don't play Brain Freeze. Never do it. And so that will put Dreadnought at the top of the metagame. And I think it will be very hard for decks to beat Dreadnought. I think that people will have decks that they think beat Dreadnought and then they'll lose to it because you're not fighting Dreadnought, you're actually fighting Gush. And Gush is, you know, I started playing this format. It seemed like I can't believe Gush is legal. I'm just going to play Gush. And uh, I, I still think Gush is incredibly broken. So I think that Black is the big winner. You get Sui Black, you get Pit Rack, which, which Parfait did push out of the metagame and I think can come back now. And I think it'll be actually exciting to see what people can do. Um, maybe Pox, maybe Splashing for Deed. I think that, you know, Pox plus Urza's Bobble, maybe Chromatic Sphere, um, all of these might actually be a way to incorporate Pox into the mono black pit rack deck and um so i i think that the metagame is going to be kind of messy for a while but i feel like you're just supposed to play gush dreadnought at this point all right gabe where are you at uh, i i'm now changing my opinion after listening to those two um <laughs> I, I i'm skeptical about dead guy because i think the decks they're going to crop up are decks that dead guy is very weak to like sly um <clears throat> i think um actually a lot of people have been packing artifact and enchantment hate because of parfait in the sideboard and they're just gonna keep doing that for dreadnought i do think dreadnought's probably gonna be very strong but i don't know i if if you attack me twice with a giant you do the thing like i i'd rather lose that way than than the other way um I think you're going to see, so I think the Mox Diamond thing, and I think Scroll Rack maybe, and I think other sort of card advantage type of things, people will like, people who are smart and who like to push and who like to spike it up, like the other, the rest of you on this, on this, like, will figure out ways to optimize it. So I think um, something similar that's maybe like a threshold type of approach that we've seen, seen had some success, but some way to still work in Mox Diamond, maybe it's a GAT type of thing. Maybe it's, like I said, Thresh Geddon, maybe something like that. 
that still takes the same really good cards and tries to make them work without land text. I think you, you'll start to see a lot more of that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Fran, what about yourself? Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm really stoked about just trying some different... I've been really high on Sphere of Resistance for a while, and I want to see it in, in the shells like, uh, you know, like Mr. T or like Trash Gator and stuff like that. So Terrigan on decks, I'm... I'm going to be very, very stoked to to mess around with those. Um, oddly enough, I think the Cataclysm was really good against Parfait, so that's kind of like a little bit, a little bit bittersweet there. But then playing creatures was not very good against Parfait, so I don't know, <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but anyway, so so yeah, I'm gonna definitely be messing around with that, and I also want to try out um, different like oath decks, but like within the context of control. So stuff like band control oath or bug control oath, like that, that is very appealing to me. I don't really have an answer why, but I am just like really, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, dude, spheres are sick. Um, so so those are, those are the, the, the very first places that I'm, that I'm going to go. Obviously, if I have a tournament this weekend that I wanted to like win, I would probably, like I, I was actually, I, we do have a tournament uh, where we're putting together on the 22nd over here in California, and I was thinking of playing Parfait. So I guess that's not happening anymore. <laughs> so, uh, Let's try. But yeah, I, 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 I literally asked Lanny for his list yesterday. <laughs> Mistakes so that made. happened. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that Martin just saw that message that I sent Lanny, and he's like, "No, no, no, we must stop this man right now." <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I think that's that's gonna be uh, obviously I, I will need to pivot. So I'm gonna be messing around with Hermit Fev. I'm gonna be messing around with Growatog. I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna be messing around with with Blue White Dreadnought, which is gonna be my my top contender. And if I can get my hands on some, like uh, th this is what what I I love this so much. It's like I'm just so excited to try so many things now. <laughs> you know what I'm yep. saying? Uh, like Red Green Survival, I feel like it was so close. Just like Red Green Survival Aggro and. I just never really got to try it out because like you put an oath in front of it and it just rolled over and died. And <laughs> now that I think that uh, oath is not going to be as widely played, I, I feel like it has a much more real chance. So like those kind of decks that I, that I love to brew are going to be very, very cool to, ex to experiment with opposition decks. Oh dude. Oh dude. Yes. We Don't get, fall we get into that trap. With... It's not going to uh, happen. No. I mean, trade win rider, man. Like I, that card is just, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's just calling me. You know what I'm saying? With so, survival. Yeah, it's it's very. Uh, I, I I do feel like that is that is the good thing about this this whole process. Like it's gonna open a bunch of uh, new doors, um, particularly for oath. I feel like oath was very. Um, how should I say it? It was just stuck, right? Like oath was. Parfait was just like the best oath deck by so much. So there was no reason to innovate on the archetype because you might as well just be playing Parfait and you'll be much better off. Uh, but e even though we have, you know, we have stubborn heroes like Patrick Burt, like, you know, just <laughs> fighting the fight. And I think that he actually top 16 that Lobster Con or something like that with his his crazy like oath into Exalted Angel and Terror War Brew. Like, we're going to have a lot of that now. But I'm pretty sure that Patrick, as he was putting that deck together, he was thinking, 
this is probably just the worst version of Parfait, but I'll just go with it anyway because it's, it's you know, I, I just want to. Well, now that could be the best oath deck in the format. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, now, now there's like, I feel like there's so much more value in exploring and experimenting with, with that card specifically because the floodgates have opened now. So, uh, yeah, but gonna, it's going to be really cool to see how, how the format develops in the next couple of months. All right, guys. Well... We are at almost three hours. Um, I was not <laughs> expecting to do this today. Um, so we are going to call her a night. This is not going to be the last podcast. Uh, and when Lanny was here earlier, it sounds like they just talked to Sam. Um, uh, All Things Considered just put up their episode with Caleb. Their word from the Misties. Um, this will go up. I have a now outdated two-hour conversation on... Burn with Aaron Dix and Christy Biasi Iron Lungs from MTGO that will be going up. There's more content coming, guys. And if anything like this has happened, we will see even more because people will talk. Thank you, everyone, for being with us on a Saturday. Thank God this worked. Um, thank you very much for everyone being here. I want everyone to have a wonderful Saturday, a wonderful weekend. Um, the PSS still going on. Um, I think it's safe to say um, that. Are you guys gonna keep keep Lantex in it? Uh, this is Flynn can yell at me if he wants, but uh, this is going to be the last swan song of Lantex, is right. our understanding. Um, so thank you everybody for being here. That's all I got. Um, take care of a wonderful Saturday, and we will talk to everybody soon. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.